This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. At Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers, incredible offers, and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krupnik, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. All right. The question tonight is how much by uh, how much will Trump win New Hampshire? That's the only question. How much will he win? Not will he win? Not if he wins, but by how much is the question? And Haley. And hats up to Dom Giordano for bringing this to my attention as I walked in the studio today. Hey, always telling everybody I can stay in because we got an open primary. Open primaries the rest of the way. So Democrats can vote for me. It's amazing. Welcome, welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. And on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Great to have you with us today. Got a big show for you. And uh, your thoughts on all this. Where, where does all this go from here? It's not, it's not looking good for Nikki Haley today, but... You know, it's funny, as I as I peruse all the uh, political stories of the day, everybody's trying to pretend like there's drama. And I told you yesterday, there's no drama with this. There is drama, though, about the doomsday clock. You heard that in the news, if you were listening to the news report. And this is the, the, the doomsday clock. Humanity faces an unprecedented level of danger. It's ticking closer to midnight, like in The Watchmen. It reads 90 seconds to midnight. And then I guess at midnight we're, you know, we're dead because of nuclear war or technology, climate change, mass health concerns, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria and all these things. But what, of course, has has moved the clock closer? Uh, You bet climate change. Blame climate change. Blame climate change and everything. Also, the reason why the doomsday clock is ticking closer. Uh, this is also why the uh, Biden administration right now is going to do something to further hurt the United States of America. I, just when you thought it was impossible for them, how could they how could they hurt the U.S. anymore? They're about to try to ban the exports of liquid natural gas. I kid you not. They're looking to do that. So um, the the climate change outlook that the doomsday clock people and they must be fun at parties that they looked at was the om- ominous. They said that 2023 was the warmest year on record. What about all those warm years that weren't on record? Ah, don't worry about that. They said almost a trillion dollars was invested in climate change, while 1.7 billion was put toward clean energy. But not enough. Not as long as you have cows tooting, that doomsday clock's going to keep ticking. And then the nuclear threat, they added that too. Why? Well, of course you know why, because Putin. Putin might decide to just start, start launching nuclear missiles. And, you know, he might just decide to nuke Ukraine because why not? Uh, And also North Korea. 
Uh, they do mention Iran, though, which is interesting because this administration is hell-bent on making sure that Iran does get a nuclear missile at some point. And then uh, the Doomsday Clock people also point out that Pakistan and India are expanding their arsenals. And those countries all hate each other's guts. And China, they, they hate China, too. And China has nu- nukes, you know. They're... So anyway, uh, we got that looking, looking good for us. We're, we're at 90 seconds to midnight. But it's funny, though, since Donald Trump became president, we, we've moved closer and closer and closer to midnight. And now that it looks like he's going to be president again, potentially, now it's really close to midnight, 90 seconds to midnight. Now, for me personally, I'm, I'm fine with this because once you factor in uh, daylight savings time, because we're going to spring forward, we're already dead. So it's, as far as I'm concerned, we've already hit midnight. I don't think you have to worry about it. They actually had a press conference about this this morning to scare the bejesus out of everybody. And then, of course, the big thing they all kept saying is, Let, let's emphasize how we can avoid hitting mid- midnight, okay? Here's how we can do this. Uh, we, have to, we have to move forward on climate change action, and we also have to get rid of the, nucle- the nuclear threats, and we also need to... Um, we also need to make sure Donald Trump doesn't become president. I, I, I mean, they were all thinking that in their minds, of course, but they wouldn't come out and say that. But he is going to win New Hampshire tonight, obviously, and freak everybody out uh, who's not paying attention. I'm looking at the polls in South Carolina. Ooh, I would not want to be Nikki Haley today. I wouldn't want to be Nikki Haley any day. I really wouldn't. Uh, but when she's coming out and telling people, listen, listen, we can stay in this race because it's open primaries all ahead, which means Democrats can vote for us. Biden's got a big lead. I mean, you know, when you look at Pennsylvania right now, Biden's got a big lead over Trump, 47 to 39. Biden plus eight in Pennsylvania is a new poll that came out today by the Susquehanna group. Uh, There's no way Biden has that kind of a lead on Trump in Pennsylvania. No friggin' way. None whatsoever. No chance. But you're about to start seeing a lot of Fugazi general election polls. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Because they want Republican primary voters to think that Trump can't win. And then that case, then they're hoping that you'll go in there and vote for Nikki Haley in the next open primaries that are happening. Because he has a 22-point lead going into New Hampshire right now. 22 points. It's a lot of points. So what you're going to start seeing is a lot of Fugazi, just like you saw in 2016, Fugazi polls. And they're going to tell you, hey, look, Haley can win, but Trump can't. So keep that in mind. But I don't believe general election polls. I told you why a million times. I've, I've said this before. People lie to pollsters all the time. But they don't lie in primary polls. They're very proud to say who they're voting for. Primary voters are proud to say. But when you see a state where uh, Biden is leading by such a high margin, that's because if somebody got a phone call from a pollster, they're just afraid to say they're voting for Trump. They don't want to be labeled as a Trump supporter. And that's why Biden is leading in all these polls. But with Nikki Haley, I guess they feel like, well, you know, I can say that because it sounds kind of cool. Like in Virginia, they have Haley beating beating Biden by five. But Trump losing to Biden in Virginia. Like, stop. Okay, come on. How is that even possible? Like, give me a break. You know what I mean? Like, give me a break. Biden beats Trump, but Haley beats Biden in the same state. Like, stop. You know what I mean? I, this is why I, I have to look at these things and say, I'm calling BS on this. I'm calling BS on this. You're, you'll maybe tell a pollster that you will vote for Nikki Haley, but you're not going to tell a pollster you vote for Trump. But I think a lot of these things are manipulated anyway, because the truth of the matter is, and you know, and I know, 
that these polls are being put out right now on purpose. Let everybody think that you have one chance here to win the election, and that's Nikki Haley. And if you don't nominate Nikki Haley, then you're done. And the reason why is because the establishment would be happy with her because she, she wants to keep the war in Ukraine going. And if you listen to anything coming out of Washington right now, and I pity you don't, I pity the fool who does, like me, because I have to pay attention to this stuff. It's all about giving Ukraine the money. It's all about giving Ukraine more money. It's never enough. It's all about giving Ukraine money. So uh, Trump is going to, we're not going to be giving Ukraine money if Trump is the president again. And we're not going to be going into new wars. And that's a bummer for the establishment. It really is. I know it sounds crazy, right? You're like, come on, why would they want war? It's because it makes people rich. That's why it makes people rich. Now, Rachel Maddow, and I'll play this clip in a little bit. She actually thinks that Trump supporters are voting for the end of politics. They want a dictator. That's why they just want a dictator. And I keep saying the same point that, I, that I've been making for a long time. As far as dictators go, Trump's a lousy one because I've never heard of a dictator who actually willingly left office before. Usually they have to be killed. No, really. Usually you have to kill them and, and do so in a very public manner, like when they, when they, they hanged Mussolini uh, in, in public. You know, you got to make a big deal out of it. You got to make a big stink out of it when you overthrow a dictator. You topple a dictator, you got to make a whole big to do over it. But they don't just leave because that's the whole thing about being a dictator. Dictators don't leave. Dictators dictate. And they're terrible at leaving. Hence the whole dictator part of everything. So that's, so that's you know, that's the typical fear mongering on the eve of the New Hampshire primary tonight of which Trump is going to crush it. And then <clears throat> Nikki Haley will come out and say, there's still a pathway. There's still a pathway. So this is funny, right? I'm looking at this, um, this memorandum that, that her campaign put out. And Trump has said he's probably not going to choose Nikki Haley. Uh, you know, to be VP. And obviously, if he did, he would lose a lot of people's support. They'd be very angry at him. They really would. They'd be very angry. But Haley's campaign had the audacity to just let everybody know that with open primaries ahead and Democrat voters being able to vote in those primaries, she has a chance to win. Translation, the never Trumpers will get in the bed again with the Democrats if that's what it takes, just like they did before. That's what they did before, and it's what they'll do again. These people are desperate to stop them. And they're so desperate to stop them that you're going to start hearing a lot more about uh, the potential threats of violence that are happening in America. Now, you probably know by now about that pipe bomb video that came out. So remember on the high holy day of the left, January 6th, they told us that there were these pipe bombs outside the DNC and the Republican National Convention. But even when they had the primetime show of the January 6th committee, Prime time. And then the, the series of spinoffs. Um, Dancing with the Insurrectionists was a big one. The Masked Insurrectionists, that was a huge one. They had Cooking with the Insurrectionists. That was on, I believe, J6 streaming or J6 The Ocho. I forget. There were so many different iterations of the January 6th committee back then. But Cooking with the Insurrectionists was fun. because you, you could make a homemade pipe bomb. Only except they never talked about pipe bombs during the entire January 6th hearing. It never came up, which is strange, right? Because you'd think if they found pipe bombs, it's kind of a big deal, especially one right by the Democrat National Convention headquarters, the Democrat National Committee headquarters, I mean, and Kamala Harris was inside the building. And Congressman Tom Massey made a great point to this to the Daily Wire. He said, if there were indeed two operable pipe bombs, that would be the biggest threat that existed on January 6th because nobody else had weapons that day. 
There were no weapons. Nobody brought in weapons to the Capitol building. It's why it's a low energy insurrection, because you can't really overthrow a government without weapons. You can't. I mean, you can go and ask nicely, like, can we please take over? But typically they say no. Which is why every time that there's been a coup or an actual insurrection or a takeover of another country, they've had to use force. Because when you go in and just say pretty, pretty, please, with sugar on top, they say no. They say, no, we like being in power, so no. So you have to, you have to forcibly take over. That's always been the way it is in history. I don't know of a country, well, maybe France. France actually might be the exception, because when the Nazis came to France, they were like, all right, come on in. But that, that may be the only exception to, the, to, to that rule. And it wasn't so much as them taking over the country and the government as much as just the French surrendering, <laughs> like they do. You know what I mean? But I don't know of a, com- of a country where there's been an internal takeover where the 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 rebels got to the capitol building and then the dictator just turned around and said all right it's yours you have it or the government in charge said okay you have it no usually what happens like in cuba for example where if you remember the movie the godfather part two where the guy was in charge was going to flee the country when they realized that the, the, the their goose is cooked because the rebels have advanced and the rebels have guns and the rebels are that's when they all flee, you know, and they go and they flee to glorious, wonderful places and they take all their money that they've looted from the people with them. But otherwise, you don't just walk in and say, we're in charge now. It doesn't work that way. But if there were pipe bombs, well, that would mean that people were really trying to blow buildings up, which is a big deal. And when you keep hearing Democrats say that it was a violent insurrection, but you keep saying, but I don't understand, like kicking windows in is violence. I mean, you know, they, they, they put up the lie, the cops were murdered, you know, I mean, but where was the actual evidence that people were trying to use force to overtake the United States of America? As Congressman Tom Massey put it, this is an ongoing cover-up. He's, of course, a member of the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. If there were indeed two operable pipe bombs, that would be the biggest threat that existed on J6. It doesn't make any sense. Why they wouldn't be promoting that threat to advance that narrative unless they had something to do with the pipe bombs and they're trying to memory hole the whole thing to avoid embarrassment. And, you know, the big thing was this video that went viral and this this um, video that was put out there and the people behind who put this video out um, did a great job on this, this raw story, the people there. But you watch the video and you go, all right, so these cops come over and they apparently see this pipe bomb and it's like no big deal. And they let other, they let kids walk in front of it. They, it's just no big whoop. You know what I mean? And then they find the other pipe bomb and then they don't do a citywide lockdown. There's no dogs. There's no, they're just like, all right, that pipe bomb, what are you going to do? And you just kind of move on. But that's strange because you would think that on the day of this big insurrection happening, if they find pipe bombs that were potentially put there the night before with kitchen timers that were made them inoperable. But you would think, though, that if they were finding these things, it would be an all-out effort to find more pipe bombs. And yet that doesn't happen. In fact, even in 2022, Kamala Harris, who was in the DNC that day, the Democrat National Committee, even she said January 6th was the deadly assault. She's likened it to September 11th, likened it to Pearl Harbor. But she went out of her way, not to mention being the target of an apparent bomb. Never mentioned that, that there was a pipe bomb. The Democrat-led January 6th committee, chaired by Representative Benny Thompson, did not mention the pipe bombs. Not once. Not on, not on the primetime show, not on the spinoffs, not on the director's cut edition. 
And believe me, the director's cut edition is sensational. Uh, it's only in an appendix, a brief mention in an appendix of the nearly 900-page final report of the J6 committee. But wouldn't that be your big, I mean, that's your big reveal, right? Pipe bombs. And they, they have this lame, low-energy security camera footage of a person apparently planting the bomb the night of January 5th. But former top FBI Washington official Stephen D'Antuno testified he was flabbergasted to find the video footage turned over by the DNC was a far lower quality that would be expected of modern cameras. And Massey said, you know, every modern data system keeps backups. I don't believe it could be corrupted without the ability to recover it, the original file. The FBI said the bombs were viable, but they were connected to a 60-minute kitchen timer, making it impossible to trigger an explosion the next day. And there was no battery to ignite it. There was nothing to ignite that was an actual bomb. You know what I mean? In other words, I think what happened is that these were Fugazis, and the only question is, who put them there? Maybe Ray Epps did. Oh, you can't say that. Ray Epps has had enough grief and enough stress from you people suggesting he might have been in on it by telling everybody to go into the Capitol tomorrow. We go into the Capitol, you know, into the Capitol. And then the day of telling people to go in the Capitol. So that guy's had a lot of stress. So don't stress him out anymore by suggesting something might have been this or that it could have been another FBI confidential informant or operative or whatever. Don't suggest that in any way, shape or form. You can't do those things. Because these things are always true. Revolver News was the first, I said Raw News, Revolver News was the first to report on this. Secret Service foreknowledge or criminal negligence, damning new evidence surfaces in the FBI's January 6th pipe bomb story. And you got to wonder, I mean, if, if the Secret Service had swept the building for the vice president-elect of the United States of America to go inside, which is the Democrat National Convention, uh, Democrat National Committee headquarters, and there's this pipe bomb 30 feet away. How come they didn't find it? I mean, they, uh, you, if you've ever been around a, 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 the kind of um, Secret Service sweeps that are done, they're specifically looking for things like bombs. I mean, that's what they look for. They're looking for that stuff. So why would they not? How come they didn't find it? You know, how come this was just something that they just didn't look at? didn't uncover you know there's a lot of questions here and congressman tom massey is right to ask them and then we know that stuff was deleted before the republicans took control we know that stuff was deleted before the republicans took control of of the house and we also know that speaker mike johnson has not followed through on his promise to release forty thousand hours of january 6 footage how the heck there can be forty thousand hours of january 6 footage the 90 or so hours that he has released have done a great deal to popularize and popularize and reinforce the public's understanding of just how inaccurate the official version of January 6th really is. But why is there still 40,000 hours that hasn't been released at this point? What are you waiting for? I can't figure that part out. Unless there's something they don't want you to see. You know, new footage depicting the Capitol Police opening the doors, ushering in crowds, footage of Capitol Police committing Violence against protesters, all that stuff. It doesn't tell us anything new. That stuff's been around for years. So what are they, what's, what else is there in the 40,000 hours? I'm wondering. I'm curious. Like the Kennedy assassination. I mean, all these years later, and they still have thousands of documents classified. It just makes one wonder, you know? Uh, that is the big story of the day today, by the way. Brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A. 
VenariaDental.com. Go see him for the smile you deserve. All right, so New Hampshire is tonight. Trump's going to win by how much? Probably by 20, maybe maybe more. It's not looking good for Haley, yet she's determined to stay in the race. And uh, the question then becomes, what will happen if Nikki Haley does, in fact, come close? Maybe within four or five or six points. It's not going to happen. But what happens if it does occur? What cataclysmic shift will occur within the Republican establishment? We'll talk about that as well. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. We're 90 seconds closer to midnight. But we are a few minutes away from coming back. So don't go away. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. I was going to say, is this your Doomsday song, Henry? Doomsday Clock song? I like it. <laughs> Half past 12. I like it. Well done. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Well done. Uh, so here's this memo from uh, from Nikki Haley. As, as um, the guy from the Washington Post reporter puts it, And this is a little synopsis of this memo from Haley team implies they're willing to fight through Super Tuesday and rely on independence. Quote, 11 of the 16 Super Tuesday states have open or semi open primaries of the 874 delegates available. Roughly two thirds are in states with open or semi open primaries. This is how they're going to try to win by relying on. Open primaries, a.k.a. Democrats. Now, she's going to get crushed in New Hampshire tonight. She's going to go to South Carolina and get crushed. The only question is, do the people that are getting paid right now have more influence over her than the people that know this is impossible? Because when you're a political consultant and this is your livelihood and you know it's late in the game, you got to find another job. And the checks are cashing and you've got money people within the Republican establishment saying, stay in the race, stay in the race, stay in the race, convention, anything's possible. Trump could go to prison. Trump could die in prison, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Will those voices outweigh the people that are, I presume, close to her who know that this is a disaster? 
and that she is going to destroy any chance she has for 2028. Personally, I don't think she has any chance in 2028, but they're going to tell her that she does anyway. So which side will win out? Because that's what usually happens in these in these matters. You know, all the consultants, all the people that make their fancy, fancy consultancy paychecks, and it's a lot of cash. You know, pollsters, the people that make the campaign ads, the mail pieces, everything like that. It's a lot of money in politics, a lot. And the memo that they put out today from the campaign said it's officially a two-person race. It's Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump. Technically it is, but that's not really accurate to say that. They write, we've come a long way in these 11 months. We started at 2%. We started with $0 in the bank. No one thought we had a shot. No one thought we could get it done. But you haven't got it done. And here we are, $50 million raised, 200 stops, and 12 fellas later. I don't know what that means. Oh, Nikki's still standing. Oh, I see all the people that dropped out. Mm -hmm. The political class and the media want to give Donald Trump a coronation. They do? Really? That's funny. I, no, I think I think the Republican primary voters want to give him a coronation because they just know the primary is over at this point. But it's the opposite. I think I think the political class and the media, the corporate media want you, Nikki, you. And that's what they're telling Nikki Haley. So this is a very well written memo by her team. And if you read the whole thing, it sounds like, yeah, she's got a shot at this. Why get out? And that's the job of a campaign manager because he doesn't want to lose his job. I mean, nobody in the campaign, nobody in the orbit is going to say, this is over, get out. So they're going to pretend. They're all going to, we're all going to play pretend and act like this is actually a thing. Like this is actually a real chance here for Nikki Haley to continue past tonight and past South Carolina. Okay, but I'm telling you right now, she's not going to come close to winning. Trump is right. And this is what Trump said, speaking with Martha McCallum in New Hampshire. As he talks on the, uh, this was on the eve of the New Hampshire primary. Cut number one. Um, So Nikki Haley says now she has the two-person race that she's always wanted. She has been coming after you strongly in the past few days. It's worked both ways, um, and you've come after her as well. She she keeps bringing up your age lately. What do you say about that? Well, I think I'm a lot sharper than her. I would do this. I would sit down right now and take an aptitude test, and it would be my result against her result, and she's not going to win. She's not going to even come close to winning. Uh, in fact, when I heard the word cognitive, you know, I've taken two of them now. I took one with Doc Ronnie, who's now a fantastic, you know, White House doctor, and a fantastic uh, congressman from Texas, Admiral, the White House doctor. Jackson, Ronnie Jackson, and he's uh, now a great congressman from Texas. I took uh, one then, and I took one recently. I think the result was announced, and it was, I aced it twice. I aced it. But I would say that, you know, I've actually called for a cognitive test for anybody running for president, because I actually think that's a good idea. It would be nice to have an intelligent person be president. But she's not going to come close to winning. It's not going to happen. And, you know, I mean, it is, I told you yesterday, um, the prosecutor in Georgia, the district attorney down there, that case is about to blow up because of the whole thing with her boyfriend and the fact that the, the boyfriend got all this money from the case and he's going through a divorce and his ex-wife is saying that she wasn't getting a piece of the action and all this is going to blow up and that case is done. And the, but that doesn't mean they're going to stop. They're not, they're not, they're not going to stop. I mean, they're going to keep coming. And Trump acknowledged that, you know, I mean, it's, he may wind up getting indicted. Right into the White House. 
He may get indicted, you know, as the president elect. It may never stop. But the thing is, I just don't think Republican primary voters care. And if they do care, it's only helped them. I think that's obvious at this point. Cut number two. That could help us pay off the debt. You know, we have $35 trillion in debt. Reduce taxes further. I gave you the biggest tax cre- We got the biggest tax cut in the history of our country. Bigger than the Reagan tax cut. And protect the security of ourselves and our allies. Biden wants to turn off the spigot. He just doesn't want it to happen. It's, I don't know if it's him. It's, I'm not sure he has any idea what the hell's going on. The guy can't put two sentences together. And, you know, I never spoke to him about him like this. I speak to him. It's very derogatory what I say, because you know what he did? He indicted me. I mean, I've, I've been indicted. I've been indicted more than Al Capone. <laughs> See that guy, how tough he is? Look at him with a big red hat on. He's a tough guy. If Al Capone ever took you out to dinner and he didn't like your smile, he would kill you before morning, okay? And he got indicted less than me. That's not right. Now, these people are crazy. These people are crazy. It's weaponization. It's going after your political opponent. Nobody's ever done this before in the history of our country. They do it in third world nations, but they don't do it here. And I have a feeling maybe it's going to be the last time because people are going to see it at the polls. The the people are. It's amazing. I appreciate it so much because normally what you do is you just put your head down. I guess you have to get the hell out. And every week we go up and up and up. And somebody said, don't indict him anymore. Please, you're killing us. You're going to indict him right into the White House. We don't want to have that. No, it's terrible. I mean, we get treated terribly. It's unbelievable. And, you know, that's a two-way street. That can happen to them also. It's a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous precedent that they are setting. It is the new precedent of America, no doubt about it. And by the way, there's some breaking news on that. Donald Trump's request for the D.C. Circuit to reconsider his gag order has been denied. That just came out a short time ago in the United States Court of Appeals. They've denied his request to reconsider the gag order. So the next stop will be the United States Supreme Court if the president's legal team decides to appeal that. But it just broke in a terse ruling on Tuesday. The full 11 member bench of the appeals court, which includes three of Trump's own appointees, opted against reconsidering a three judge panel's December 8th ruling upholding the gag order, which even the ACLU has called unconstitutional. For the record, uh, we got a great guest coming up. Jack Sobiek's going to be here, and we haven't talked to him in a while, so he's a Philadelphia original. Jack Posobiec is a guy who has been crushing it on social media, and Jack Posobiec is um, a PhD original, started here, as a matter of fact. So he'll be my guest straight ahead, so don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. By the way, Texas is putting in more razor wire. Oh, yeah, that's right. They are. The Texas National Guard is installing more razor wire on the southern border. John Kirby just came out and said razor wire doesn't work. So, again, I'm going to ask the question, if razor wire doesn't work, why do we use it at jails and prisons and other places? We'll talk about all these things throughout the show today. Welcome back. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. I guess, I guess the question, the first question that I want to ask my guests is, do you still remember that, that number, Jack? Do you still remember that? That number? What number is that, Rich? The call-in number, 855-839-1210. 855-839-1210, a.m., WPHD, <laughs> the big talker, Philadelphia. No, I have no idea uh, anything about that call-in number or anything about the greatest radio station in the history of Philadelphia. See, my man, that's exactly why we love you. 
Jack Posobiec is with me right now, and it's great to have him on the show. And I got a picture today of you uh, behind, or I should say in front of the Talk Radio 1210 WPHD logo. You were on air, you were sales, but since then you've vaulted to um, great stuff, man. I mean, I'm really proud of of your accomplishments on social media. The Post Millennial is a great site, your Rumble channel, and of course, senior uh, editor at Human Events. So all these things are happening, and it's, uh, it's fantastic. So congratulations. Well, thank you, and I appreciate it. Look, you know, getting, you know, getting my foot in the door at at twelve ten. I can't believe it's almost twenty years ago now. That's back when it was at the Two Ballot Plaza studio, uh, and that's back when, um, you know, and Dom, Dom, Big Dom G was still there in in the uh, in the evenings at that time. Uh, Grace Blazer was running the news side. Um, and it was uh, it was right up there in the middle. And of course, noon to three back then, we had the, we still had the great Rush Limbaugh. That's right. Yeah, lots changed, and we're no longer in ballot. We're now in Center City, and we have to pay for parking. I know, and yeah. that stinks. Oh my gosh, pay for parking! I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. No, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Not only that, but you also have to worry about getting carjacked and shot on your way to and from work, Jack. So there's that. Yeah. Well, fortunately, that's pretty much all of Pennsylvania now. That's true. By the way, would you believe this? This new poll that came out that that says uh, Biden's got an eight point lead in Pennsylvania. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. For yeah, I saw that. So I woke up to that um, this morning as I was going through the polls. Uh, this thing that Biden is an eight point lead in Pennsylvania, and I say I need to see the cross tabs on that thing because that's certainly an outlier when it looks to when I see all of the polls that have come out. Uh, for Pennsylvania recently. Um, I'd love to look at the crosstabs of that to see how exactly they got that. I want to see the weighting on that poll. And I also want to see if they asked that, if they pulled the same, uh, the Commonwealth along with RFK, because I know that RFK and particularly also um, West, if they put him, uh, if Cornell West gets on the ballot in Pennsylvania, that's definitely going to be someone that picks up a lot of these votes from people that are just sick and tired of the Biden administration. You know, what's funny, though, Jack, is I'm looking at a lot of these polls, too, and they all show I think a lot of these polls are going to be Fugazi's coming out trying to convince Republican voters to back Haley because all these polls have Haley beating Biden and then Biden beating Trump. And I'm calling BS on this. I think that this is an effort to try to convince people at the last minute. Hey, she's your only chance of winning. Yeah, there's there's a huge, interesting push with Haley where it's 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 there's this question of. Oh, you know, Haley, she can pick up these independents and she can go to the moderates and get up. And I'm like, I, I've never met a Nikki Haley supporter in real life, like anywhere. Like, and I can think through all of the conversations I've had. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I've met Trump supporters or I've met DeSantis supporters. I've met, you know, I've, I've met RFK supporters. You know, I've, I've met them. I've spoken with them. I've never had a person come up to me and say, gosh, I just can't wait for Nikki Haley to be in office. It's literally never happened. Yeah, and it never will, because they don't even like her in South Carolina. (laughs) And she's going to get creamed in South Carolina. I mean, the memo that the campaign put out today is laughable, you know, saying, oh, here's our pathway with all these open primaries coming out, uh, coming up, basically admitting what we've all been saying, right? Which is that, you know, her only chance here is if Democrats get on board with her. But even that's not going to work. But she's going to get creamed tonight, and she's going to get creamed in her home state. The proof in the pudding is the fact that every single statewide elected official in her home state of South Carolina, is against her. They're all against, show me all your great endorsements. The guy who's currently the governor of South Carolina, who was her lieutenant governor, who became governor and then got elected in his own right, uh, McMaster, after she went on to become the U.N. ambassador, even he endorsed against her. You got Tim Scott, 
You got, I don't think Lindsey Graham was ever seriously going to consider uh, endorsing her. But the fact that all of them are against her, a place that you would normally consider, you know, you say favorite son, I guess favorite daughter in this instance, would normally be a place where she spent her entire career building up political capital, building up a base where she has spent all of the time. If they aren't even willing to back her, and they're certainly not worried about their voters then uh, coming after the, any of them for their future careers, if they're not worried about Nikki Haley, I don't think anyone's actually worried about Nikki Haley. So you have this video on the post-millennial about these young voters who are coming out now and they're they're coming out for Trump and they're and they're very proud of it and they're very open about it. What are you hearing from the Trump campaign and what are you hearing from people on the ground in New Hampshire? Oh, I, I think people are very excited in New Hampshire. Uh, there's a lot of energy. I actually just interviewed uh, Eric Trump just about uh, not even less than an hour ago. And, uh, you know, they're just saying it's very high energy. They're even seeing people flip from Nikki Haley support to Donald Trump. And a lot of them were saying, look, you know, we kind of view the primaries being over. And, you know, we don't want to back a loser. We want to back someone who's going to win. So we're going to go with Trump because it just feels like a fait accompli at this point. And they're not buying, as you say, all these push polls and all of this sort of like headlining that's going on out there. They're saying, look, you know, it's it, we feel like a lot of the wins out of the sales because of Iowa. All right. You know, the you know, the one big uh, the one big contender who was in the race was DeSantis. He got out on Sunday. So we want to consolidate. We want it to be over with. And we want to actually do something about the administration and everyone get on the line about that. And that's I kind of think that's where I'm at. And it seems like that's what we're starting here out of New Hampshire as well. Jack, I was watching your um, your daily update and uh, Jack Vesobik's with me right now. It's great to have him on the show. You were talking a lot about, I mean, you're a naval intelligence guy, and, and thank you for your service. Yeah, you, you were talking a that. lot today about what's going on in the Middle East, and also the fact that, I mean, once again, the administration is just completely not being transparent with us with what's, what's happening. Oh, well, I mean, you know, it, by the way, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I, I caught you mentioning talking about the razor wire earlier. You know, when I was down at Guantanamo Bay, we had razor wire down there for the t- detainees as well. It worked really, really well. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, look, the, the, this administration, you know, they're telling us, oh, it's, it's just, a, just a couple of minor brain-related injuries, but don't worry about it. Everything will be completely fine. Excuse me, Admiral Kirby. Excuse me. I, I got friends over there right now, Rich that are in harm's way, that are on, you know, I'll just say deployed to that part of the world. Uh, Plus, of course, we've got our sailors that are on those ships in the Red Sea right now, taking incoming from these drones, from these rockets, from these missiles. And that's great that we're getting down most of them. But what about what happens when one of them slips through? What happens when one of them gets done? And so, no, I, I don't think our, our administration is telling us the truth. And, oh, by the way, I don't even have to speculate because we just lost two Navy SEALs. Right. And it feels like the White House doesn't even want to talk about it. Yeah, well, I mean, Kirby comes out and makes the announcement yesterday. The president says nothing. He walks from Marine One and says absolutely nothing about the fact that we lost two Navy SEALs. Jack, what do you think the ultimate goal here is, though? I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of people very concerned that Biden is going to drag us further into war here, further into conflict, so he could be a wartime president and think that that helps him. I personally think that that would be a disaster for him politically. I think Americans are sick and tired of it. I think it's one of the reasons why Trump is doing so well right now. Uh, and, and also, one of the things I think that is the death sentence for Nikki Haley is her continued support of Ukraine, which is the opposite of where Republican primary voters are right now. But there are a lot of people very worried that Biden is going to drag us into something here in the Middle East. Are you worried about that? 
Oh, 100%. And, and look, the United States can't afford World War III, okay? Regardless of what anyone's feelings are on, on Ukraine and Russia and Iran and, and any of these various aspects of any foreign conflict right now, okay, we can't afford it. Okay, we can barely afford to do anything. Uh, the budget's going to run out, what, at the end of March, March 8th, or no, the beginning of March. March 8th is when the funding dries up. Uh, just talked to Senator Ron Johnson about this. He even said that Langford was trying to put, or that he told Langford to put border uh, funding and border security in terms of the negotiations and then tie that to Ukraine funding. But McConnell doesn't even want to talk about it. And so all of the negotiations and the leverage that the American people have had a lot and is really only being portrayed through this primary process because you've got Republicans in the Senate that aren't even listening to the voters. They're, of course, listening to their donors and their financial backers. When you talk about uh, does the administration, that's very insightful, by the way, because I completely agree with your read on what the Biden people are telling themselves. They're saying if you go hard at the Houthis, if you go hard at Iran, if you go hard at Russia, if you go hard at China, that's going to make you like an FDR. You're a wartime president. And they've been constantly trying to do this to portray Biden as a wartime president. But it seems like he's a president who isn't almost like an accidental wartime president where his bungling and his buffoonery are the things that start <laughs> these conflicts in the first place. And then he has no actual plan to get out of them. Meanwhile, we've got a secretary of defense who I'm like, can we get some proof of life on this guy? Because he says he's, he's running the war from first. It was his, his hospital room. Now it's his bedroom. And he's holding this guy, guys, can, can we find out who's tweeting from his account at a bare minimum? No, I, I think the American people are in a situation where they believe the emperor has no clothes. And unfortunately, we're in a lot of in these conflagrations with guess what? Russia, that's a nuclear power. China's nuclear power. Iran, let's be honest, probably has one or two on the shelf at this point, just waiting for it. So we can't afford to get into one of these situations in any of these areas. And we've already got these terrorist organizations, as I said before, firing off shots at our sailors while they're in harm's way. No, well, it's, it's a bad situation. It's I, can't, I can't speculate on where the defense secretary is, though. I do have a theory, though, that John Fetterman's body double has now taken over, like in the movie Dave. Remember in the movie Dave where the body double, ba- like the, Kevin Klein's character basically just became the president and started right, shifting right. his policy positions. So that's my theory on what happened with Fetterman, because how else do you explain this unless this is his trap here to make everybody think he's a sensible moderate so that he can just completely launch missiles against Trump in Pennsylvania and McCormick, too? Yeah, I, I think what he's going to do is with what Fetterman's doing is he's running the long con on the, on on Pennsylvania. He's attempting to run the long con, and I think that it's I think it's actually being quite effective. I don't know who's running the robot, who's pushing the buttons right now, but you know what he's doing is suddenly he's acting as if he's a completely reasonable guy. He's talking about serious these you know these eighty twenty kind of issues like the border, which is an eighty twenty issue, uh, and he's saying, yeah, I'm 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 for getting control of the border. Yeah, I'm for fighting inflation. Yeah, I'm for protecting our allies in the Middle East. Yeah, I'm for all of these things. And then at the very end of it, he's going to say, and you know who else I'm for? Joe Biden, a son of Pennsylvania, Joe Biden, who's been, and there's a reason that Biden has made like three of his last four presidential trips have all been to Pennsylvania, particularly in Southeast Pennsylvania, where uh, WPHD has its footprint, because he understands that if he can get enough support out of Southeastern Pennsylvania, he can swing the state. 
you know, he might, he'll probably get some support out of Scranton. Uh, definitely not as much as he used to one of the, in, uh, you know, one day. But people remember when he was referred to as the third senator of Pennsylvania. And so what Fetterman is doing is he's setting up the long con so that he, when Biden comes in in the final stretch of the general election, that Fetterman will say, and we need Joe Biden to send this son of Pennsylvania back to the White House so he can finish the job for another four years. You can take that to the bank, Rich. That's exactly how this is going to go. Jack, I could talk to you all day, and i got to have you back on the show. Before I let you go, though, you know, a lot of people are wondering, with the pipe bomb story about January 6th, the 40,000 hours that they're keeping from us, Biden's relentless. You know, they can they, they won't stop talking about it. The high holy day of the left, January 6th. Are they just going to keep trying to divide us? Is that their only strategy here? Their only game plan that they have going into this election year? Well, I think they're terrified about this pipe bomb story. And I think that the closer we get to real information about this, you know, it's interesting. I didn't even plan on talking about the pipe bomb until this week. All of a sudden, I've got sources within the federal government saying, hey, man, take a look at these pictures. These are out of uh, federal training facilities that look exactly like the timer, exactly like the end caps, exactly like the pipe that were found. By the way, you know, a, a, a pipe bomb that is set on a timer is not exactly the kind of one that goes off on a remote. By the way, out of, you know, you don't need to right. be a, you know, a Navy officer to understand that. So those things were set. They were meant to be a diversion. Then we get the news that, it, that the guy that called in, after all these years, we get the news that the guy who called in the pipe bomb was himself an undercover law enforcement officer. Just one piece of information that goes to show you how terrified they are of that narrative about these pipe bombs. Again, I wasn't planning to even get into any of that stuff this week, but then all this information flies down to me. There's something rotten about that story, and I am going to keep picking at that itch until I get to the bottom of it. Good. Please don't let up on it. And we'll follow you at Human Events. We'll follow you at all places uh, Jack, what's the best way for people to get your Rumble channel and to get your daily brief? Yeah, of course. So uh, Human Events Daily on Rumble, Jack Kosobic on Rumble. We do a show with Charlie Kirk on Thursdays called Thought Crime. Of course, humanevents.com, postmillennial.com, two great websites out there. And then Rumble, you know, we'll have everything up every day. And if, you know, if people are, people are interested in getting on X, they, they, they might see me there from time to time. <laughs> well, listen, next time you're in town, let's get together. Come in studio. We'll hang out together for an hour or so. I want to have you on a lot between now and uh, the general election because you're, you're, you're one of us, man. You're, you're like a brother here. So we appreciate it. Well, there, I, I wouldn't be any honored more than to come home and hang out with the great people, as I said before, the greatest radio station in the history of Philadelphia, WPHT. My man. Jack Posobiec, thanks, bud. You take care. Keep up the good work. Take care, Rich. God bless. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Texas tells the federal government you can tear this razor wire out of my cold, dead hands. Where does all this go from here? And uh, yes, the establishment is behind Nikki Haley, but what happens to all the money that gets spent? These are all great questions. We'll tackle all of them for you. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. I was mentioning earlier, and and, um, the interview with Jack flew by, but 
The the big thing for me with the whole pipe bomb Fugazi is that if it was real, it would have been nonstop on the January 6th committee show and all the various spinoff shows, the cooking shows, the dancing with the insurrectionist shows and all of it. And none of it ever made it on any primetime J6 committee hearing. None of that stuff. So that's the best way you know that something is a Fugazi. I tell you all the time, you'll know that a hate crime is not really a hate crime when they stop talking about it. You'll know that that the the shoelace that's found on a tree branch is not a noose because there'll be no follow up to the story that says it was just a shoelace. That's how you know when things are fugazis. It's when the media, the corporate media just decides to stop covering something. So they make a big deal about something at first, you know, graffiti in a dorm room, racist graffiti in a dorm room. But what they won't do is tell you a week later that it turns out that, you know, the 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 young black girl who lives in that dorm did it herself because that they will drop that story because then all of a sudden it just blows up their narrative. So that's what happens. And the same thing with the pipe bomb story. If the pipe bomb story was real, that there were two real live pipe bombs that could have exploded outside the DNC and the RNC on the on, on January 6, 2021. And they and they and that was real. That would have been the lead off of the first primetime January 6 committee. It wasn't even mentioned. So that's how you know something is a fugazi. It's the best way you can know this. By the way, I got to give a shout out. So my buddy Parker Space, who is a uh, state senator in New Jersey, just got elected this past November. Uh, great guy. He was uh, down in Nashville and he was talking to a Philly cop down there. So he sent me a note that the officer did. And I thank you, Senator Space, for sending me the note. So uh, police officer Brian Wersinski, and hopefully, Brian, I'm pronouncing that correctly. Brian Wersinski, uh, he said, you met my son in Cape May a couple of years ago during the World Series and gave me a shout out. God bless you and your family and cheers, my friend. You're the best. I was just saying your political analysis is the best. You're the next rush. Well, that's high praise that I don't deserve, uh, Officer Wierzynski. But thank you very much for that. And thanks for keeping the city as safe as you possibly can, given the constraints that uh, hopefully will be lifted soon with the mayor and the new commissioner. And please stay safe and give my best to everybody else. Uh, on your team, on the force, because uh, I've, uh, I've said it before, Philadelphia cops are the absolute best of any major city in this country. There's no, You're not going to find finer officers, no doubt about that. As uh, my buddy Steve Weiler used to always say, Philadelphia breeds a different kind of cop. You know what I mean? Philly cops are a different, uh, different kind of cop, and they are. They're the best. All right, so uh, the situation in Texas, what's happening? Somebody asked me a question. They said, is this Biden's way of trying to start a civil war? No, I, I don't I don't I don't think it'll get to that. But what I do think what's happening here is that John Kirby was just asked the question a few moments ago, at the White House press briefing. They said, um, do you think razor wire works? And he said, no, that's why we want to take him down. The question that I've been asking is, if it doesn't work, why do we have it everywhere, everywhere? Look around everywhere you see barbed wire, razor wire outside of government facilities, particularly federal ones, but also state and local as well. They use him at prisons. You know, when when um, when Littlefoot, Dante Calvacano escaped. When he got when they got him back eventually after his how, Henry, how long was Littlefoot on the run for? Is it two weeks that Littlefoot Calvacante was running around? That sounds right. Yeah. Chester County Prison, right? Correct. When they got him back, the first thing they did was put more razor wire up. Do you remember that? Of course. That was the first thing they did was they because there was basically 
almost like a the kind of turn a turnstile at a supermarket. That was basically the, what they had, and they replaced that with razor wire so they could actually keep the prisoners in. So again, I ask the question to John Kirby that I want to know is if razor wire doesn't work, are you is your is the administration going to start taking it down from federal penitentiaries? And if it also puts the officers' lives at risk because somebody might get tangled in it, and then a, a, a federal corrections officer then in that scenario would have to deal with that prisoner who's escaped, well, then are you going to take the razor wire down, tear down this razor wire? And I have launched a national campaign wherever there's razor wire, we should have to take it down. Airports? But what if a terrorist tries to sneak onto an airport, airport runway, and has to encounter barbed wire? That's not fair. It's not nice. And then what if a law enforcement officer like to fill up the cops at the Philly airport? Do a great job, the airport division over there. They secure the perimeter, not like the knucklehead TSA people. That, you know, once you go through, that's different. But the cops who actually secure the perimeter of that do a fantastic job. And they, they, uh, they're always called upon, you know, there's bomb threats or something like that. Well, why should they have to risk their lives and deal with the, the harm that razor wire can, can produce if some terrorist tries to climb or just some drunk jackass, you know, tries to climb onto a, a, a runway and maybe thinking he can get a free seat on a flight. I don't know, but goes over the razor wire because it's all around airports. In this country, that was one of the beautiful 9-11 improvements. There's razor wire everywhere. So tear down this razor wire. If, if it doesn't work at the border, then it doesn't work anywhere. Because razor wire either works or it doesn't work. It's not a subjective thing. You know what I mean? It's not subjective. Like, is it sauce or gravy? That depends on who you talk to and depends on which region of the country you're from and whether or not you identify as a Metagon or not. I mean, these are complicated questions, but it, they're subjective and they're well, we know there's a right answer, but for the most part, there is no right answer. But either something works or it doesn't work. Like later in the show, for example, I'm going to have an interview coming up with the, with a guy who wrote a new book on the multiverse. And, you know, from my perspective, the multiverse is fascinating because I get all of my science knowledge from watching superhero movies. And the multiverse is a prominent feature of every superhero movie being made right now. So I've got a lot of questions for him. But the idea of do you believe in a multiverse? You believe in parallel universes. These are subjective matters. We don't have definitive conclusions on. But razor wire either works or it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, why do we have so much of it everywhere? I mean, Jack brought up Gitmo, right? Club Gitmo. I mean, there's razor wire down there. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to ask Admiral Kirby, do we use razor wire at any of our military installations around the world? Come on. You're an admiral, dude. You're an admiral. Do we use razor wire outside of any uh, naval bases, for example? Or naval bases or naval stations or anything like that. Do we use any razor wire there? I'd like to know. And if, and, and if we do, why? Why, Admiral Kirby? You just said it doesn't work. And that's why you want Texas to take it down. So if it doesn't work, then... I assume the Pentagon will now be instructing the United States military to take down razor wire from all of their installations, both in the United States and, of course, outside of the United States around the world. I imagine so, because it doesn't work and it's hurtful. You know, you might get scratches. Or you might, and that could get an infection. You know, you joke about this, but if you scratch yourself on razor wire, you could get a serious infection and that could lead to something bad. 
So you got to write. I mean, what if you don't have Neosporin? You're crossing the border illegally. Think about this now. You, you, you cut yourself on razor wire. You got to uh, immediately apply, usually not rubbing alcohol, but I think you got to apply some sort of antiseptic. Neosporin, you know what I mean? Because that could, get, that could fester, is my point. That's dangerous. A person could get a blister. You could get a serious uh, flesh wound from razor wire. It could be bad. And that could traumatize you for the rest of your life. You may never look, be able to look at razors or wire ever again, even dental floss at that point. You know what I mean? So I don't think anybody ever should have to be subjected to razor wire. And if Texas is putting more razor wire in and the United States of America is saying it doesn't work, then why do they care? See, that's the other point that I want to make. If, if the United States of America doesn't think razor wire works, then let Texas do it. Why do they care? If, it, if it's not effective, then what do you care? So they want to put razor wire up. What's the big what's the big whoop? You just said it doesn't work. What do you care then? I mean, you could say to Texas, hey, listen, you know, knock yourself out, but we think you're wasting your time. Razor wire doesn't work. People walk right through barbed wire. It's nothing. It's really nothing. It's a scratchy, you know, you get a little like a bump, a little uh, Benadryl might help with that or something, but that's it. But instead, they're saying it doesn't work, and that's why we're ordering you to take it down. So, okay, so then what are you putting something in its place? No? Why not? If the argument from John Kirby, the, Ad, the Admiral Kirby, the Pentagon spokesperson, the national security spokesperson, really, who just came, he's the president, basically. He, we don't hear from Biden, so we hear from Kirby on a daily basis almost about everything that's going on in the Middle East. <laughs> Comes out and he says, it doesn't work. That's why we want it taken down. Okay, to replace it with something that does work? No. No, they're not doing that either. So you're admitting that you're taking it down. You're not going to replace it with anything. And there's absolutely going to be zero deterrent on the southern border. I mean, think about that for a moment. The number one issue on people's minds right now is immigration. And this idiotic administration isn't even pretending to do something about it in an election year. In an election year. You would expect them to pull this kind of lunacy after Biden wins. I would expect this lunacy in, in the, by the second week of November where they're, they're telling Texas to take down barbed wire and they're going down there to take it down themselves. And, because at that point, what do they care? They've won. But you would think in the lead up to an election where right now most polls show Trump winning and they also show that people are concerned about immigration, the open border, not our immigration system, but our open border as being the number one issue. Wouldn't you think that a smart politician would at least pretend to give a damn? At least pretend. And they don't have to necessarily put up razor wire themselves because obviously the left will lose their minds about that. But why bother ordering Texas to take it down? Or not ordering, I should say. They can't technically order it. But why go to court to allow their agents to go in and take it down? Why not just play the optics game? Play the optics game at least until November and say, we are doing something about it. Take credit for the razor wire. Or at least say, we're letting Texas put razor wire up. We're doing a pilot program to see how effective the barbed wire is. But they're not even trying. And that tells you a lot about just how freaking nuts these people are. But it also tells you something else, too. And that is, in my opinion, and I've, I've said this before, and maybe you disagree with me, but I still really, truly believe deep down inside that 
This Pennsylvania poll is a fugazi. The polls that show Trump winning in the core states are real. And it's not because I'm selective about these things. I'm just saying that the, the most recent Pennsylvania poll appears to me to be an outlier in terms of trends. When you look at trends, it's what I look at, what I look for. And so as I'm looking at that and I'm thinking about the Democrats and thinking about what their options are, I've told you before, I'm still of the opinion that if they believe Trump is going to beat Joe Biden, they will have to take Biden out of this race. And Biden doesn't seem like he even has a real, uh, I mean, the guy has no energy on, on, on good days, but it doesn't even seem like he has the, 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 the enthusiasm to even run. In the biggest lead yet, right now, the media I reporting, Trump posts his biggest lead yet over Biden in 2024 tracking poll. The Morning Consult 2024 tracking poll, which comes out every day, has Trump up by five. Now, again, it's not, it's a, ignore general election polls. Look at the polls of the key states that matter. But within those key states, with the exception of this poll that came out today showing that Biden's got an eight point lead over Trump, they've all been trending with Trump in a several point lead over Joe Biden way bigger than his lead ever was at any point in either 2020 or 2016 combined in, in States forget national in States. Trump has a better lead now over Biden than he did in States that had him up. And if you compare 2016 and 2020's numbers, his lead is bigger now, even if you have those two numbers together. I do not believe for a second they can chance it. They can't risk Trump getting into the Oval Office again. They just can't. And right now we're talking about a president who has a vice president who is even more unpopular than he is. And the, the other point that is important to note is that Kamala Harris was not Biden's pick. He hates her guts. He hates her. Because of that time in the debate stage, there was that debate. Remember, Joe, I, Joe, I was that little girl, Joe. Remember, she called him a racist because he opposed busing because, well, back then, Biden used to pal around with all the seggies, as Chris Matthews called them, the segregationists. Those are all his pals in the Senate. And so she savaged him on that debate stage back in January of 2020. Hard to believe four years ago this month, Kamala Harris got on the stage and savaged Joe Biden as a racist. I was that little girl, Joe. So he's never forgiven her. Jill Biden hates Dr. Jill Biden. You have, you have to always say that by law, of course. I apologize. Uh, Jill Biden hates Kamala Harris for that, too. So they don't want to see her become president. But more importantly, they know that she can't. I mean, the, the, the smart people around Biden, and there are smart people around him, they know that she is in even bigger disaster than, than he is. I mean, it, it, it's, it's such it's so bad right now heading into 2024 and this issue with this district attorney in Georgia even the far right wing Washington Post acknowledging that Willis has given Trump an unexpected gift that her affair that she had or I should say her Gumata's affair with her and then the money enjoying lavish trips and cruises and all these things means that the case in Georgia is dead Dead, dead, dead. And the federal case by the special prosecutor is going absolutely nowhere. It's going nowhere fast. That's for sure. 
So what else do you have? The effort to get him out of the race by using legal means in terms of the criminal justice system is over. It's over at that point. I don't care if they add more charges to Trump, which they're probably going to do. It doesn't matter because it's not going to be resolved before Election Day. It just can't. The calendar doesn't work that way. So they know they know that this is a problem and they know that Biden's going to lose to him. And that's why I think they don't really give a damn. They're trying to do whatever they possibly can right now to just just advance whatever lefty cause, because otherwise, if Joe Biden was actually a serious candidate, he would be pretending like he cared about the border situation. He'd be pretending like he cared about two dead Navy SEALs. He doesn't, but they would at least pretend. And they're not even doing that. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. This is the big story of the day today, obviously, brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. A lot of coverage, a lot of thoughts for you on New Hampshire. And Nikki Haley will get crushed, and then she'll go on to South Carolina and get crushed. And then she's going to pretend to stay in the race, I guess, because the establishment is putting a lot of money towards her. Does that money then take away from Trump? No, because the people that I'm talking about have so much of it that it's not an issue for them. There's so much money behind Nikki Haley now from the establishment that wants to stop Trump. That money's not going to go to Trump in the general election because they want to stop him. So that money will then quickly pivot to whoever the Democrat candidate is. But it's not going to go to him. That's the answer to that question. Listen, if you gave up on your New Year's resolution, you're not alone. But if you reach out to NJ Diet today, they will help you lose that weight the safe and natural way. Their results are nearly twice as effective as weight loss injections and without any of those nasty side effects. With NJ Diet, you will lose 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days contractually guaranteed. NJ Diet uses your hair and saliva along with bioenergetic scans to personalize natural solutions and supplements that get your body into the fat burning zone. Then NJ Diet uses your DNA info to help you keep the weight off. Don't take shots the rest of your life. Lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days, naturally, quickly, and safely with NJ Diet. No hormones, no prepackaged foods, no shots. You even get the doctor's personal email and phone number. Call 855-5-NJ-DIET, 855-5-NJ-DIET, or schedule your consult today at njdiet.com and lose the weight for good. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Nice song. I like it. What is it? Uh, have you ever seen The Wire? <clears throat> yes! This is the theme song from season one. Yes! Well played, Henry Machette. Well played. Yeah, you've been saying The Wire, The Wires over and over again. I was like gotta play it i you know it's funny too because i I love that show and i haven't seen it in years obviously and that that is such a great song mm-hmm. in season one yes they change it every season yeah it's the same song every season but they change it up to give it a you know a different feel to reflect the season right uh that's a good one what'd you think of that show by the way oh i love it yeah uh top two and i, I go back and forth whether i like it better than the sopranos or not oh interesting yeah my uh, my father, who is very difficult to watch any cop show with because he calls BS on everything, still thinks that The Wire was probably the most realistic one he's ever seen. Absolutely. That and Barney Miller, which is a very old show, because it was really the stuff in the in the station house where nothing happens, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, 
Even True Detective season one, he said, was very accurate. Oh yeah, that's a great that's a great season yeah. too. Have you watched any of the uh, the new season yet? Oh, is there a new season now? Yeah, there's a season four. Oh no, I haven't. Uh, is it good? I only watched the first episode. It, it seems all right. Mm. That first season was great, and then that dumb season with Vince Vaughn. Remember Vince that? Vaughn and Colin Farrell. I never watched. I never watched season two or three. I'm only watching season four because it stars uh, Jodie Foster. Interesting. Yeah. Um. There was a thing about the season one of True Detective they kind of touched on a little bit was the the whole uh, politicians bringing young children into sex orgies and things like that. Mm-hmm. But they only kind of touched on it a little, and then they kind of touched on it in season three. But they didn't really go in depth on this. But I found that interesting that they even brought it up because that that those political rumors that were out there and they referenced them as part of the show. Right. So. Um, but see that. But the of uh, the I didn't. Yeah, I didn't finish the Vince Vaughn season. That was bad. Oof. I didn't even. I didn't even try it because yeah, you, you hear about like oh my gosh, seasons one's the best, and then everything after that is just yeah. Yeah, I know. And I like and I like Vince Vaughn. I don't, I don't know about him in a serious role. Colin Farrell's good. Even, even Mahershala Ali in uh, the third season, I'd give it a go. But yeah, I don't know. I like Jodie Foster better than all those people. Um. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. Because, she, I mean, she was great in Silence of the Lamb. Yeah, and that's one of my favorite movies of all time, so. I'll tell you what, um, if you have, uh, did, you, did you see All the Light We Cannot See yet? No, what's that? I told you, the Netflix show with the blind girl, oh, oh, right. World War II, and the radio. Yeah. It's good. You should see it. I, have, I don't have Netflix. <laughs> then use my, pa- I'll give you my password. Yeah, no, get, I think that's illegal now. <laughs> right, yeah, that's the thing. It's got to be with like within the same household. Like on the Wi-Fi right. or whatever it is. I don't know how they track it. IP address. I know in the way this government is, I'll wind up getting like 47 federal indictments <laughs> if I give you my Netflix uh, password. They're, they're just chomping at the bit waiting for you to do something. Oh, absolutely. You remember the the FBI warnings used to show up on DVDs yeah, and video back tapes, in the day? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you will be executed if you... Like if Trump ever pirated a video, he's done. You know what I'm saying? Oh, 100%. D- done. There, that, that, I think Jack Smith's going to add those charges probably <laughs> next month. Uh, let's have some tweets. Let's do a little social media check-in here from our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo. John Housen says, Rich, walls don't work. Razor wire doesn't work. But if we write a new immigration law, it will stop those illegal border crossers like a Star Trek force field. Biden won't obey a new law, but the illegal immigrants will. Uh, well said. Uh, Chris Epolito says, Rich, the cuts and infections caused by razor wire would never be such an issue if mercurochrome would still be a thing like it was in the 70s and 80s. Hashtag prove me wrong. I can't prove you wrong. You're right. But I always travel with a little thing of Neosporin with me just in case I encounter razor wire and I need to get through it. So, you know, like I said, you get a scratch that can fester. Uh, Exile Kraken says you got to give True Detective season two another chance. I hated it also until the last episode, and Vince Vaughn probably has the best scene of his acting career in that last episode. All right, I'll give it another chance. Not easy. Done. I- I'm easy. <laughs> Fine. Clearly. Yeah. I right, twist my arm. I'll give it another shot. Why not? I'll give it. An- I'll-, I'll do that. No problem. Um, what's the other social? There was another. There was another. Um, I wanted to mention. Yes, Bob. Um, Bob. Uh, uh, Gillis says, Rich, could we say it's not razor wire, it's barbershop wire? It's also not a bad idea as well. I think it's all about the phrasing, right? 
Razor wire sounds That's harsh. All, everything is about these days. The phrasing, how you say things. Yeah, you gotta, you got it's all about, you know, how you use words. Uh, and Signe Olsen is doing a real throwback here to Barbara Streisand, who just tweeted out, Americans are feeling better about the economy as consumer sentiment keeps improving. Trump keeps lying about how good things were in his presidency, but he was the only president since Hoover with a net loss of jobs on his watch. Okay, Babs, well, first of all, that's because of COVID. But secondly, I don't care what you have to say. I care what Signe has to say because she said she's going to need a big stack of pancakes in November of 2024. So we did a live show at the movie theater in Pennsylvania back in 2016, I think. And I did a whole bit about Barbara Streisand eating pancakes, pancakes. And to this day, Dawn Sensen still starts crying laughing whenever I bring that up. Pond cakes. And maybe we could find the audio of that. She was on, I don't know, some dumb morning show. You know, they're all dumb, right? Some CBS mornings, whatever. And they said, well, how are you dealing with the fact of Trump? And she's like, I just keep having my chef make me more pond cakes. I keep eating more pond cakes, you know? And then it was right after, <laughs> I think I think Deadpool or Deadpool 2 came out. and. It was probably Deadpool 2. And you remember when <laughs> he keeps, um, Papa, can you hear me? Papa, can you hear me? And, he, and, he, it, and Deadpool says that Papa, can you hear me is the same song as, oh, what's the other song that he says? You remember, Henry? Papa, uh, uh, at, oh, uh, from Frozen. He's, he says that. Let it go. Um, no, I think it's the other one. Um, oh, man. Papa, can you hear me? And. Do you want to build a snowman? Do you want to build a snowman? Yeah. Yes. So Deadpool starts suggesting that they're the same song. And I could not get that out of my head. So I started singing, Papa, can you hear me? And Papa, can you make me pancakes? And we did the show just kind of got off the rails. Thanks to Barbara Streisand and her um, anxiety. So that's what she's a stress eater. I mean, Babs is a stress eater. Hey, you know me what I mean? too. I, I feel you there, Babs. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, when I get a little nervous, I tend to overeat. So, uh, Chris Eppolito also says, place razor wire around your refrigerator and pantry. You can expect to lose 20 to 40 pounds in 30 days. Follow me for more diet tips. No, I disagree. It doesn't work. You'll go right through it and go right to the fridge. That's the point. Um, I just do what they did in a fight club and I get like, you know, carpet or like mats. Yeah. And just put them on the razor wire and just tear it down that way. That's another great option for you, you know? Divine the Rain 90 says, hey, Rich, razor wire is just like ivermectin. It doesn't work. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Very good. Uh, all right. We got a lot. We got a lot going on. I'm going to check in um, about school choice because it's a school choice week happening. But thank you to Signe for what a great throwback to Zioli show afternoon drive in the first iteration. Uh, and finally, as our social media check in, Tom Hoskins says, Rich, Nikki really shot herself in the foot this morning trying to look Trumpish. On the Fox and Friends Kirby couch, she was snarky and combative with Brian Kilmeade and cast and and the cast, basically calling them fake news. It backfired big time. Um, I didn't watch it, but I trust your judgment on that. And honestly, I just cannot even. I can't. I can't take listening to a Nikki Haley clip right now. I, I just can't. I can't. I just can't do it. I don't know why, but there's something it just grates on me. That voice. I don't know, but I. She's gonna get killed tonight and. Then maybe I'll play something tomorrow because at that point, but at this point, I don't know. I just, you know, I don't know. 
Uh, all right, 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Is the federal government looking to start a civil war with Texas? That is a question, not a question, it's an accusation that Congressman Higgins is making that the Biden administration is looking to start a civil war with the state of Texas. So we'll find out more about that as we continue along the show today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Dr. Mike Veneri is a great guy, great friend, and the master of dental implants. When it comes to your smile, please trust me, uh, there's nothing that matters more than having a beautiful, beautiful smile so that you can show everybody how happy you are. And you're going to be really happy when you go see Dr. Mike Venaria with two offices to serve you in Cinnamonson and Woodbury. Reach out to him today. He's right over the bridge and he will give you great service. Everybody in his office is fantastic. The people that work there are great. There's always beautiful music playing and they really do care about your smile. They put care first. That's why for over 10 years, Dr. Mike Venaria has been recognized as a top dentist in New Jersey for 10 consecutive years and he's worth a trip over the bridge if you're in pennsylvania trust me you have a choice a clear choice when it comes to you and your family and your dental needs so give dr venaria a call if you've had an estimate for complicated dental work get a second opinion with dr mike venaria today 856-786-2020 856-786-2020 or visit venariadental.com v-a-n-a-r-i-a He's my buddy. He's my friend. He's the master of dental implants. Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Excellent. Obviously, true detective. Uh, 855-839-1210. The Franklin Scandal, an alleged pedophile ring in the late 80s connected to a prominent Nebraska banker and Political donor. That was the detective season three, but there's one in season one. I'll talk about that as well. Plus, I have some advice for Texas. I'll give you what I believe is going to happen and how this is going to play out and um, exactly what how this will play out and how this is really, really politically bad for Joe Biden. But before I get into all that, let's turn to Pennsylvania's school choice, because it's very important that we win the battle for school choice. If we're ever going to stop the state indoctrination of our children, this is where it begins. And joining me now, Guy Shiraki, welcome back. You were there today at the convention. You wrote a piece on this at BroadandLiberty.com. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, alive and well. I made it to Harrisburg and back. Uh, as your listeners may know, Pennsylvania House is shut down because they have a leaky roof. Uh, for three and a half months, because of a leaky roof, apparently the guys who fixed I-95 are not available to fix a roof in under 100 days. Uh, but it was a great rally. Uh, a lot of uh, great kids. If you ever need a roof, and, by the way, if you ever need a roof fix, just I call know. Emmons Roofing. I, I, I mentioned it. Call I mentioned it as I went by the governor's office. Good. I went by the speaker's office and said, and they, you know, I don't think they're really serious. I, you know, I, I have this suspicion they're not really serious about fixing the roof, but I'm, I'm a cynic. <laughs> Shocking, right? Uh, I have, a, I have no, a suspicion that the governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, is not really serious about delivering on school choice. Yeah, I, you know, and the thing is, as, as somebody like you has been involved in this, I mean, I, this is probably the first issue I was ever involved in uh, and, and really ever went to Harrisburg about. It's been something I care about. And, and what strikes me over the years, and it was true today, um, the parents who show up, 
for them, it's about their kids. But the reason they drive from hours away to be there is to them, it's just common sense and fairness. And they don't understand the politics and, and they get the idea that teachers are fighting them. But th- they're really frustrated. And it's not because they want to rally to Republicans or yell at Democrats. It's they truly don't understand. Uh, I was with uh, with parents today, uh, many of whom send their children to a uh, cyber school, to Achievement House cyber school. I mean, one family was from the Poconos, another from northeast Philly, another from, from uh, outside of uh, Pittsburgh. And they each got in their car and drove hours to be there with hundreds of other people because they just want the opportunity to have choice and they don't understand what's so controversial about letting parents decide. And um, it's heartening to see that and, and to see parents that care not only about their kids, but go the extra mile and do it. And they don't know why the politicians don't understand that. And they don't know why the politicians care more about the special interest than their kids. Uh, and that's why parents have to be involved, because you know that too many of them do care about the special interest in the teachers' unions more than kids. Yeah, uh, look, th- this rally for school choice, and I saw the pictures that you posted. It was great. I mean, people really came out for it. It's important. I talked to my friend and your friend, Jennifer Stefano, about this a couple of days ago. Josh Shapiro has a chance to be a different kind of Democrat. You know, the, as, as the Democrat Party gets gets kookier every minute, he could be a different kind of Democrat and stand up there and say, I'm actually going to deliver on my promise of school choice and buck the teachers union and, and, and try to go in a different direction than the. But typically what has happened with these politicians, Cory Booker's a great example of this. I mean, when Cory Booker was mayor of Newark, he was all in on school choice. He ran for mayor of Newark on being school choice. Then the minute he became Spartacus and became a state senator and had a United States senator and had his eyes on the White House. All that went away, you know, and it was all about what the teachers union wanted. If Shapiro wants to try to craft out a new lane for him, because let's face it, the crazy lane is is very, very crowded. This is his way he could do it. And the guy obviously has national ambitions. Oh, look, I mean, as you know, and your listeners know, I mean, in Arizona and Illinois, Democratic governors are tripping over themselves, taking away choice. Right. Where there was there was a little bit of choice. So there is a whole lane open to Governor Shapiro and and not I don't want to bore your listeners with all the details any more than I've already bored them. I was going to say too late. Look. Yeah, I know. I know. But I'm going to set myself up for that. No, but but think about the bill. I mean, the bill that we've been talking about on, on your station and I've been writing about is was called Lifeline Scholarships. And you boil it down to this. It was to set aside money to the poorest kids trapped in the worst schools to allow the poorest kids trapped in the worst schools. You had to be a working class or have lower income and you had to have a child in some of the worst schools. Not my definition, not yours. The Pennsylvania Department of Education, the bottom 15. How bad are these schools? How bad, you ask? How bad are these schools? Some of these schools, 0% of the children are proficient in math and reading. There are schools in Pennsylvania. There are schools in your listening audience. There are schools in our community where mom wakes up and sends her daughter off to school to be in the fourth grade in a school where literally not one child is at fourth grade level in math and reading. And if that mom wants to send her somewhere else, she's not able to because they can't afford it because her tax dollars want to fund a system that's broken. So Josh Shapiro has the ability. He doesn't have to do anything bold like happened in Florida or West Virginia or Iowa or any of these other states. This is the poorest kids in the worst schools. I, I will tell you, I will campaign in North Philly, South Philly, in the Poconos, anywhere. I will defend any Democrat or Republican who does this. I defy anyone to tell me that they would lose 
talking to their voters and saying, I voted for a program to set up scholarships so that the poorest children in Pennsylvania could leave the worst schools to find a school that works. That's got to be something that is bipartisan, nonpartisan, and would make Josh different. You know, there's another aspect of this, too. And that is that, yes, you bring up the poor kids, and obviously that is a huge driving force of this. But there's also a component of school choice, which is that as we hear, the, and this is separate from Shapiro now, but as a parent, you know, I'm acutely uh, aware of the efforts by the left to use schools as a way to indoctrinate our children. We all are. We talk about it all the time. And I'm so sick and tired of hearing the left scream about book bans. There's not a single book that's been banned in this country. And much like how schools make choices about which books they want to have in their libraries, I don't know many public schools that have Dr. Thomas Sowell's books, but I'm not screaming about book bans. I don't know how many of them have my book on public speaking, but I'm not screaming about book bans. The point is that if we want to have a, a, a conversation in America about books in schools and curriculum and all these things, School choice is the answer to that problem, because if you if you like the fact that your school is indoctrinating your kids with all these lefty ideologies and keep them there, if you don't like it, then send them to a different school and then shut up about it. And then everybody can be fine and get along. But they don't want that. See, that's the other thing is that they don't want to lose the power that they have over public education to be a source of indoctrination. And it's so fundamentally unfair that, you know, you've got a lot of Latinos, you've got a lot of black families out there that also consider the indoctrination issue in addition to the wealth gap, but the indoctrination issue to be a major driver for them. And they'd also like to pull their kids out of these public schools because they're sick of the indoctrination. They're religious people. They have uh, values and standards. And yet, you know, if they're not like uh, a rich white family, they may not be able to get their kids away from the government indoctrination. So there's a whole other aspect of this that Republicans should be latching on as they continue to bring Latino and black voters over to their side of the political aisle. Look, I agree a thousand percent that that years ago, the old fashioned fight was the teachers union just didn't want to lose uh, students because they didn't want their, their teachers union roles and their dues to go down. You're right. Now, this is a battle for hearts and minds. It's a battle that, you know, has been going on in higher education, and that's, that was on full display for the nation when CEOs of, of three of the leading universities we were told on the planet couldn't tell the difference between right and wrong when given three opportunities. But we now know it's a battle for hearts and minds of young children. And I agree with you. I've said to countless people, you want to lower the temperature at school board meetings? When mom goes into a meeting and says, I don't want my daughter to read the book, and the, and the school board says, well, tough, then mom should be able to take her daughter and send her to a school that will educate her where she doesn't have to have these battles. The tension level at school board meetings will go way down. Parents will be in charge and there'll be accountability. I agree with you a thousand percent. It was driven home to me uh, all through 2022 in Reading. You talk to parents in Reading, uh, primarily minority, African-American, Hispanic. Those parents were deeply aware of and deeply offended by what was going on in schools. So I agree. To me, this is a matter of parents' rights, making sure the children can succeed. We don't want kids in schools that are unsafe. We don't want kids in schools where they can't read. And we certainly don't want anybody to have an ideology forced down the throat. Again, if you want to, if we want to have children be able to read, school choice. If you want to lower the tension level and the screaming at school districts meetings, 
Good. Offer school choice. Allow the families to find a school that meets their needs. If you're happy about what's going on at your school district, then you may keep your child there. That's what I always say. It doesn't, there's not one child that's going to be forced to leave. They're afraid of choice. Look, at the bottom line is this. Why are the opponents afraid of choice? Because choice means that some children will leave because of safety, because of curriculum, because the school is failing. They don't want them to leave. And you're 100 percent right. And look, you've talked about it. For, look, I, I heard you give a speech on it, that, that this is an issue that Republicans should be touting and should never shy away from uh, their embrace of school choice and respecting parents and wanting every child to be able to succeed and parents to be in charge. It's the right thing to do. And it's a political winner. And as I said, I don't know what community you would go into and find voters upset with you for doing that. By the way, a uh, separate issue I wanted to ask you, uh, this new poll that came out today that shows Biden with an eight point lead over Trump in Pennsylvania, which is an outlier from other polls. I'm calling BS on that. I, I don't think there's any way uh, that that Biden has an eight point lead at this point. What, what is your what, what's your pulse on on the state of the election right now? Oh, I, look, we. I think, one, it's an outlier. Two, it's BS. I think most polls these days are done. They are not a reflection of opinion. They're used to influence opinion and drive opinion home. Look, uh, you know, I've, I've said it for some time. The, the, the indictments were the left's opportunity to build up Donald Trump, and they think now now is the time that they've built him up, and now they're going to tear him down. And what you're seeing is, and this poll is the beginning of that, it's the beginning of tearing him away and making him unpalatable. He's unelectable. They're going to discourage his supporters. They will uh, eventually move to the phase of trying to dissuade any remaining independents not to be for him. Look, you've studied these races. I've studied these races. Here's what I know. Barring unforeseen circumstances, one of these two people, President Biden or former President Trump, are going to carry Pennsylvania uh, by about a margin of two to two and a half percent. Anybody that, you know, if, if for some reason it's eight points in one direction, something seismic has happened that is not currently on the radar screen. And anybody suggesting that is ridiculous. President Trump won by 0.7 percent. He lost by a little over one percent. Uh, George Bush lost by two points. These races in Pennsylvania are, are two, three point races unless something happens. Anybody that, and I will tell you this now, anybody tells you now that, that President Trump cannot carry Pennsylvania, they're looking at data that flies in the face of history and in the face of reality. This will be a nail biter. And the Republicans need to do everything they do to get people to the polls, including mail-in balloting, and take get out the vote as seriously uh, as they ever done, and ignore these polls because the poll, the intention of the poll is to dissuade and discourage supporters from getting engaged. Ignore the polls, do what's in your heart, and drag every single human being to the polls, or get them an absentee mail mail-in ballot in their hand. Yeah, and Republicans have to get over uh the whole anti-mail-in ballot feeling that they have they just have to i mean i would love to yep. return to the day of paper ballots in hand i i wish we could all be argentina but we're not going to be there so in in the meantime please let's mobilize resources and get everybody by any means necessary to vote uh before election day i agree 100 percent. guy shiraki always a pleasure my friend we will talk again soon I wish you well. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, ignore the polls. Trust your heart. Let's go win. All right. You, you bet. Rich Seoli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. And on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. 
Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Nikki Haley says she's going all the way, all the way to uh, the convention because the open primaries are her pathway. Uh, Do you agree with that? 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, Or you can call the show. 855-839-1210 is the number. All right. So listen, here's the deal. Uh, Nikki Haley put out a memo today to her people. Well, I mean, her campaign did. Saying, here's how we win. We win by going all the way into the open primary states. All right? The open primary states. Now, open primary states means that Democrats could vote. That's, her, that's what her campaign put out today. They're acknowledging that they can't win with Republican primary voters. So their chances, hey, listen, support us if you are an independent or a Democrat. Now, I'm, I'm telling you right now, that is... An insane admission that they need Democrats to win. I mean, that's that's literally what they're saying. That's what they're saying, that they need Democrats to win. You, why, why would you say that? I mean, why would you put that out there unless you are really, truly desperate at this point? Because I'm telling you right now, if your whole strategy comes down to independents and Democrats. And you've got guys like Larry Hogan out there coming out and saying, hey, listen, um, we need a third-party candidate. That means that even the moderate Republicans, the so-called reasonable moderate Republicans, they don't even think Haley has a shot. I mean, Hogan was the guy who was out there backing Haley and backing Christie. I mean, originally he was backing Christie. And, of course, Chris Christie blew his chances to back Haley. And he I mean, blew that spectacularly with that open hot mic moment. But today he's on Fox News, Larry Hogan, calling for a third party. All right. By the way, this is the big story of the day today, brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Get the smile you deserve. Why would you want a third party? I mean, why, why would you call on a third party if you think Nikki Haley has a chance? And why would you want to be a spoiler against Trump if you think Nikki Haley has a chance of actually beating him? You see that that right there just is the ultimate confession by the establishment of the political of the Republican Party that they don't think Haley has a chance. They don't think she's got a pathway here. So she'll stay in the race. I imagine she's going to lose badly in her home state of South Carolina. That's going to be embarrassing for her. But as long as the checks cash. Listen, I was a political consultant and, you know, maybe someday I will be again. But when you work on a campaign. That's your livelihood. That's how you pay your bills. It's how you feed your family. So political consulting is big money. And there are some very, very rich political consultants out there. And there are some who are terrible at what they do. It's like anything else in life. You have good ones and bad ones, right? So, I mean, it just depends on it. But when you are in a campaign, you want your candidate to stay in the race as long as the check's clear. That's a rule number one. I mean, you don't want to have to go look for another job. You don't want to have to go and try to run a third-rate, low-energy congressional race somewhere. You want to you want to keep your candidate in. It's January of 2024 now. At this moment in time, right now, 
at this moment in time, all the jobs are taken. So Haley's people have one goal, and that is to keep getting paid as long as possible. You know, when 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 you are somebody who's a pollster, or you're somebody who does media for a candidate, or does media buying for a candidate, or just advises a candidate, works on the campaign, various capacities. The minute that campaign's over, you don't get paid. And what's worse is they may owe you money. And surprisingly, campaigns have a habit of not paying when they when they are no longer running. So you've got one job. Keep your principal in the race. And that's what Haley's people are doing. And the money's going to keep coming in because the Republican establishment obviously wants her to stay in till the convention. They've outlined a plan for her whereby something something happens to Trump, some externality happens, and then she can get the convention support and get the delegate support there. But the problem, though, is that if you're admitting that you can only get delegates because of open primaries and and because your pathway lies in basically Democrats joining your ranks, that doesn't bode well if something happens to Trump and then they do need to make a change. It doesn't bode well for Nikki Haley. It shows that she doesn't have the support of the grassroots Republican primary voters. That's a big problem for them. I mean, it's a big problem. So at best, I think this campaign goes until June, you know, maybe, I mean, the convention, whatever it is, June, July, August, whenever the convention is, uh, at best. But she won't be the nominee, but she may stay in. She may stay in. You know, and they're looking, they're, they're, they're looking at some way, shape, or form here for some miracle to occur. But the problem is that every time they think they've got an ace up their sleeve with some legal maneuver, something blows up. I mean, Georgia is a great example of this, right? So the district attorney in Georgia uh, has her gumata. Well, she's the gumata, but, you know, her boyfriend, she hires him to prosecute Trump. The guy's not even a prosecutor. And $750,000 later, his ex-wife in the divorce is saying, hey, you've been paying me $700 every two weeks. I'm basically destitute here. You've been hiding all this money from me. So now a judge is saying in that case, hey, I want to see the receipts. And all the receipts are coming out showing these lavish trips. And the judge has made it clear he's going to ask whether or not this guy, Wade, was having an extramarital affair with the district attorney in Georgia. When the answer to that question is yes, and the money is connected here, that that's done. That's over. Even the far right wing Washington Post is acknowledging that the Georgia case is over at that point. You know, there's no pardon power for a president on a state crime. And the Georgia governor doesn't even have pardon power, from what I understand, of the Georgia Constitution, meaning that they're they're shot. I mean, really, their best hope was hoping that Trump would be found guilty and be put in prison in Georgia. And then at that point, it'd be a question for the Supreme Court. Let's say hypothetically he won. And you had an incarcerated president in a state. I had my movie that I came up with, of course, which is Escape from Georgia. You know, it's like Escape from New York, but Escape from Georgia Penitentiary Edition. And at that point, we'd have to remove all the razor wire because we know that razor wire doesn't work. So it'd be easy to break him out of Georgia jail if we had if we had to. It'd be easy to break him out of Georgia state prison, but without the razor wire, because well, even with the razor wire, because Kirby acknowledged today the razor wire doesn't work. So you could rescue the president. I mean, the Secret Service could go in there, be like Escape from Alcatraz and, you know, pull Trump out of the Georgia jail. But that was their best hope. What happens now, the process in Georgia, what happens once the district attorney, once they say she 
can no longer prosecute this case and neither can her office is that it goes to a system in Atlanta where they basically try to find another prosecutor. And there's a similar case where two years later, they still have not found a new prosecutor for that case. And I don't know how many people are going to want to touch this, this case after this, because there's not a lot of evidence in the first place. And secondly, now you've got this whole tainted, you know, aura hanging over it. So the Georgia case just blew up. It's about to get really bad for the district attorney. You know, she she doesn't have to necessarily testify under oath, but the judge made it clear yesterday in that in that divorce proceeding hearing regarding the money. He said, I'm going to ask Mr. Wade and he's going to have to tell me whether or not he had an extramarital affair. And if he did, did he have it with Miss Willis? And if he if he did, did he use some of that money with her? And did he just did he keep that money from his ex-wife? His future ex-wife, soon to be ex-wife. I think the divorce is not officially finalized yet, but all that's going to come out. And when that does, you got a major, major conflict of interest problem here. That is not going to be resolved anytime soon. Then you got the federal case, the Jack Smith special prosecutor case. We've got the special prosecutor going out there right now, and I think he's going to add charges against Trump. But there is a timing problem with that case. The timing problem is that when the Supreme Court of the United States said we are not going to rule on whether or not a president has immunity until it goes through the circuit court process, the circuit court has not ruled yet. It's a three judge panel. Once that three judge panel rules, then either side has the opportunity to appeal to the full circuit. Once the full circuit makes their ruling, then either side has the ability to appeal to the Supreme Court. In other words, all that drags on potentially now for months. So then let's say hypothetically the Supreme Court says Trump doesn't have immunity and let's say hypothetically then Jack Smith's case goes forward and then let's say hypothetically Jack Smith gets a conviction in criminal court in Washington, D.C. and adds more charges against Trump, which says, you know what, you committed an insurrection or you gave aid and comfort to those who did and you can't be on the ballot based on the 14th Amendment. Well, then that case has to be heard by the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court does not have to address that issue in Colorado. You know, what people are forgetting here is that the question of whether or not Section 3 of the 14th Amendment applies to presidents is a question the Supreme Court of the United States doesn't necessarily have to touch. They can just simply rule on the merits of whether or not the state of Colorado has the ability to make that determination without due process on the federal level. That's how I see it. This court likes narrow rulings, obviously. This court likes to be narrow in their ruling. The ruling yesterday on Texas, and this is why I think that all the Civil War talk is just a tad bit premature here. The court is still going to have a full hearing on the issue of whether or not Texas has the right to erect razor wire. What the court has said now, and I don't agree with the court's opinion on this, but what the court has said now is it needs to be heard through the lower court first. And this is something that the Roberts court likes to do. They like to go through the process. They like these slow, deliberative legal processes. And unlike court TV, where it's all wrapped up nice and quick and fast, and we, you know what I mean? It, these, these, these things can drag on. And then there's appeals and everything else. On a separate note, if I'm Texas right now, if I'm Greg Abbott, I'm going to have the National Guard continue to put up razor wire. The Supreme Court did not say that he has to stop. All the Supreme Court said was that the federal government has the right to take it down. 
They didn't tell Greg Abbott that the National Guard can't put it up or can't keep it up. Be very careful right now. But if, if the feds come in and take it down, I mean, they, there's nothing that stops the National Guard from putting it back up. You could do this all day. You don't have to have a civil war. There doesn't have to be a, an armed military standoff at the Texas border. You don't have to worry about that. I, don't, I, don't, I think everybody's kind of getting a little bit ahead of themselves. It is a good mental note, though, for me to watch Captain America's Civil War tonight for the hundredth time. But I digress. The point is that all Greg Abbott has to do is just order the National Guard to put up more razor wire. Supreme Court didn't say he doesn't, he can't do it. They just said the federal government can take it down. It's a very, again, it's a narrow ruling. So here's what Biden can do if he is the dumbest politician on earth, which, by the way, Joe Biden has a propensity to show that he is the dumbest politician on earth. He could federalize the National Guard and then take over control of the National Guard. I already see there's these stories, you know, being written by the by the by the media, like the Washington Post. I think a columnist had the story. This is very much like segregation when when President Kennedy had to federalize the National Guard to escort the troops or Eisenhower did in Arkansas. And um, it's just like that. You know, it's just like that. Well, it's not like that. It's not even close to being like that. But let's say, hypothetically speaking, that that's what happens. Biden federalizes the Texas National Guard, which is his right. And then at that point, now the National Guard has to answer to him as commander in chief. And then he says to them, take down the razor wire and don't put any back up. Well, they have to. That's a lawful order from the commander in chief. They have to follow it or they could be court-martialed. But do you want to be the president that does that in an election year when immigration is one of the four front issues do you really want to be that guy i don't i don't think you do i mean first of all i'm amazed that they're even doing this because this is so politically stupid right now to just get involved in this whole razor wire issue in the first place i mean it's dumb it's just politically stupid just stay out of it but they can't help themselves but that's ultimately what could occur here long before the the first shots are fired at eagle pass which is not going to happen <laughs> just Trust me on this point when I tell you we're not going to have another civil war over the issue of Texas and barbed wire, all right? But before we ever get to that wonderful, fun fantasy, all the governor of Texas is going to do is say, put more razor wire in, and then the feds are going to come in and take it down, and then the Texas governor is going to say, put it up, and they're going to take it down, and then eventually this will continue until the Supreme Court gives its ultimate ruling on the matter, which could come... Months from now, a year from now, two years from now, who the hell knows? And Biden has a choice. Biden could come out and turn around and say, I'm federalizing the Texas National Guard. You now report to me as commander in chief, tear down that razor wire. But man, you want to talk about bad political optics in an election year when immigration is at the forefront of people's minds? I think that would be such a dumb. When you got guys like John Fetterperson coming out and saying, we have to secure our border. Now, mind you, I think Fetterman is doing a lot of this because he's 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 trying very hard to sound like the reasonable moderate guy so he can ultimately be Biden's surrogate out there in Pennsylvania. But when you got guys like him coming out and saying you need to secure the border, we can't have 300,000 people a year coming into this country. We can't have an invasion the size of Pittsburgh every single year in America. That is pretty much exactly the feeling of America right now. It's just that Pennsylvania's very own John Fetterman is finally reading the pulse of his of the people in his state. 
So it would be very bad optics for the commander in chief to federalize the Texas National Guard and have them remove razor wire. But I put nothing past these people because we are dealing with some of the most politically tone deaf human beings I've ever encountered. I, I mean, ever. Like, I'm actually trying to think of what David Axelrod would be thinking right now. I'm trying to channel David Axelrod or James Carville or somebody else, and they'd be saying, immigration is a problem. You have a major, major border crisis going on where you've got Democrat governors and Democrat mayors that are screaming that something needs to be done at the border. You've got a Democrat U.S. senator in Pennsylvania saying something needs to be done at the border. You don't want to have the optics of coming in and taking down razor wire at the border. It looks really Bad. It looks like you're surrendering and it looks like you want an open border. Don't be that politically stupid. But then these people just can't help themselves. And I don't know if it's because they're driven by really lunatics at the top of their party. If they just they're just listening to them. I don't know. But back to Nikki Haley for a moment, the whole issue of whether or not she stays in is going to be largely driven by the political consultants who are around her and whether they can convince her she has a pathway because they want the checks to clear. Speaking of checks to clear, uh, for only 20 bucks, you can get a ticket to our comedy show next Thursday night at Parks Casino for Parks Casino's comedy, uh, comedy show with Joe Conklin. Joe Conklin is a man of a thousand voices. His impressions are always spot on, by the way. And we'll have a fun night. Mike Baldini will be the MC along with myself. We'll have fun. And 20 bucks gets you your ticket and your first drink included. Just go to parkscasino.com slash comedy, parkscasino.com slash comedy, and you will have a great night of laughter. Also, coming up is our Terry Hayes event. Don't forget that. February 7th, Rosemont College, his book, The Year of the Locust. You'll get a signed copy. Terry and I will have a great conversation on stage together, and we'll talk about all these issues. All right, so please... Go to 1210WPHT.com right now to get your ticket for the Terry Hayes event. Don't forget to get your ticket as well for the Parks Comedy Night. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so many other things to talk about. We just are loaded up. Loaded up. But I'm going to talk about the multiverse in the 6 o'clock hour. Oh, yeah, I am. Oh, yeah. The multiverse. Is it real? Are parallel universes real? There's a Philadelphia physicist who just wrote a brand new book about the multiverse, and I'm going to interview him, and I'm excited about it because I'm a superhero nerd, as you know, and I love the fact that uh, we have the multiverse as a plot in all these various movies, all right? Now, you want to hear some crazy conspiracy stuff? Let's start with Alex Soros, the son of George Soros at the WEF, the World Economic Forum. Um. I I really am amazed at how crazy people in the Democrat ether are sounding right now. I, I mean, they sound like nuts. They sound like lunatics. Rachel Maddow sounds like a crazy person. Alex Soros sounds like a crazy, but these people sound insane. Every time they keep talking about Trump being Hitler or Mussolini or something else, they just sound crazy. And it's not working. I'm telling you right now, James Carville's group looked into the polling data in this. It's not working. Even asking Democrat voters, they give higher marks to the Republicans for being the party that's most likely to cross the aisle. They, they give the marks of extremism to the Democrats right now. That all came out in that memo that was written in the far right wing New York Times by James Carville's guy who said it's a grim reality. All this talk of Trump being a dictator is the only message is not a winning message. And it's all Democrats seem to have. 
their own people aren't buying this stuff. But here's Alex Soros at the WEF, the son of George Soros. Um, even Kamala Harris, the vice president, seemed a little bit, well, taken aback by some of this now. <laughs> I'm telling you, this stuff is nuts. Take a listen, cut 11. Um, is, you know, is obviously, uh, is obviously, um, you know, quite, uh, quite, uh, you know, quite tricky. But I think that if we play too much on this disinformation card, we're taking responsibility away from ourselves to actually create a narrative that inspires people to vote and to believe, uh, you know, in, um, uh, in, uh, in democracy and democratic um, institutions. And on the institutional part, I think that we can talk about uh, institutions as these abstract things, but institutions are also about people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, um, you know, we just heard this, this this point about untrustworthy people, and we talked about things in the United States like you know, like um, checks and balances, which aren't written anywhere, but are customs. And one man, Donald Trump, literally came in and just took that you know took that took that all away. Um, you know, so. Um, you know, so, um, you know, but when I see this, you know, when I look at this, um, you know, um, you know, uh, more globally regarding, regarding, you know, regarding democracy, I also say to myself, when was this great time that everybody got along so well and, you know, things were going so, so great? I mean, I think, you know, um, um, you know, the, um, you know, I think that we really have to be careful here in, you know, in this nostalgia uh, for a time, uh, you know, for a time past, because a lot of the reaction. How did Trump destroy checks and balances out of curiosity? How did how did he destroy checks and balances? I mean, last time I checked right now, as we speak, the president of the United States is 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 paying back people's student loans, even though the Supreme Court told him he can't. The Supreme Court told him he can't do it and he's still doing it. So you want to talk about checks and balances. Why don't you look into what's literally happening right now? Well, this, uh, you know, uh, well, <laughs> he was very you, articulate, you, wasn't yeah, he? You, well, yeah, you know, uh, well, you know, when you're, uh, when you're articulate, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, 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 you, know, you know, you know, right. <laughs> Did you write up a description of that? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what he was talking about. <laughs> the word erudite came into it. <laughs> That even he made Kamala Harris seem erudite. Right now, everybody's looking up the word. What er- Kamala's erudite. a breath of fresh air compared to this guy. Oh my gosh! You know, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, you, you know, uh, checks and balances. Well, at, well, know, uh, well. Should we compare him to Kamala Harris right now? We can. We sh- we could right because she she has a comment about Biden being branded as incapable, and um, I don't I don't. So she's she's being branded as incapable. All right. And this is according to this new book that's come out that says Joe Biden did not want her as his VP. He hates her guts, by the way. And she's incapable. And so this is how she responded to that. Cut 10. The I was watching you on stage, watching the reactions from the crowd, Mm -hmm. looking you in the eye with your passion that you were displaying and talking about so many issues. And yet, you hear candidates suggesting that a vote for President Biden, because of his age, is somehow a vote for you, and that is hurled as an insult. It's intended to demonstrate some negative viewpoint towards you. What is your reaction to this thought that with 
your background in particular, with your career, that there is some thought that you are incapable? Well, I, I think that um, most women who have risen in their profession, who are leaders in their profession, have had similar experiences. Mm. Um, I was the first woman to be elected district attorney. I was the first woman to be elected attorney general of the state of California. And I'm the first woman to be vice president. And I love my job. <laughs> and then she does that weird joker laugh at the end. What's that? What's with that weird, creepy Joker laugh? That's her tick. Is that what, it's, that's it's when you know be, she's yeah. lying, right? She hates yeah. her job. 100%. She hates her job. Isn't right. she the border czar? Is she going to go down and remove the razor wire in Texas? Do you know, if you cut yourself with a razor wire, if you don't put Neosporin on it, do you know what will happen to you? What's that? You'll get a blister. Oh, you, no. You, no you, it'll fester. You think I'm kidding? Uh, Henry, I'm trying to look out for you. I don't want you to end up like Matt DeSanctipovitis. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I won't. I don't have any COVID tests at home. I'm just laying around. See, I should be, I should endorse Neosporin. We use it so much in my house. It, if you, so here's my advice. If you get cut by razor wire, Neosporin is a, it's three antibiotics in one. It's Neomycin, Polymycin B, which sounds like a uh, bioweapon, and Baxitracin. All three in one. And it's prescription free. And you put Neosporin on and it'll take care of the scratches from the razor wire. Okay? Trying to help. Trying to help. Just doing your part. I, my kids wind up cutting themselves con- you know, constantly. So we buy vats of this stuff. But it does work. I'll tell you one thing. And also, even as a spray, too. Are your kids playing in razor wire or something? What's I, going well, on? we do. Yeah, I, it's, I set up a whole obstacle course for them with razor wire. <laughs> Well, it doesn't. It doesn't work. You heard um, John Kirby said razor wire doesn't work. Right. So the kids go right through it. Obviously, that's why they're taking it down. It doesn't work. So Naturally. yeah, the kids yeah. love razor All right, wire. That makes sense. Yeah, they love it. By the way, in um, uh, the upcoming season of The Wire, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna come out and and uh, prove how uh, prisoners escape by walking through razor wire. <laughs> you see, now now I have a story that says. Neosporin for cuts. Some doctors say no. Oh, come on, doctors. Everybody needs, you know, an opinion, right? I guess everybody does. Now, here's a question for you. If you get stung in the eye by a jellyfish, which happened to me in the Chesapeake Bay a couple years ago, you know the remedy for jellyfish stings, right? Uh, I've heard. Okay, we can't say it on the radio, obviously. But you're supposed to, you know, blank on it. Well, what, we can't refer to it at all, or well, uh, I mean, like, uh, can you use the U word? Uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Can you say go pee pee? I don't, I don't know. You, I, I you don't just know. said it. I was gonna say urinate. Yeah, I guess you use that. But that's what they say to do for jellyfish things. But what happens when it's a jellyfish thing in your eye? Uh, get a glass eye. <laughs> rather do that right wouldn't that yeah, be better just, just probably at that point you see that yes it's uh, <laughs> probably correct uh here's uh, St- peter Ducey to john kirby why are you guys making it easier for people to enter the country illegally this is what i'm talking about with you this is what i mean the optics of this are just absolutely terrible for him cut number eight uh, why are you guys making it easier for people to enter the country illegally? I don't believe we are. Why do you think we are? 
you guys sued to cut razor wire that was put in place by Texas officials. So that the Border Patrol could actually do their jobs, but keep going. Well, you won in court, so now what? The Border Patrol Union president is saying the Supreme Court's decision is going to undoubtedly encourage more illegal immigration. Do you guys know better than the Border Patrol Union? The Border Patrol needed access, and that's why we sued to get rid of that uh, razor wire, so that they could do their jobs. And you know what would also help them do their jobs, Peter? More Border Patrol agents. There's an idea. And if you go back to the supplemental request that we put in, there's money in there for some 1,300 additional Border Patrol agents. We want to help them do their jobs. We want to give them more resources. And the answer we kept get, keep, keep getting back from House Republicans is no, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, you didn't. Listen, I got an idea for the administration. Why don't you stop taking down razor wire? Because it looks really bad, politically, politically terrible for you. It's stupid. And Greg Abbott should keep putting it up. He's not defying the Supreme Court. Understand that. When the Texas governor puts razor wire up, he's not defying the Supreme Court. All the court said was that the feds can take it down. They didn't say he can't put it back up. So the only remedy here for Biden, if he wants to, would be to federalize the Texas National Guard, which would be the dumbest political move he could possibly make. And it would also be, if you ask me, quite dictatorial. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you'd like to weigh in. Listen, my friends at Cherry Hill Volvo, there is a sensational sale happening over at Cherry Hill Volvo this month. How about a beautiful S60 courtesy Volvo for less than $29,000? It's an incredible opportunity to experience luxury for less. There are currently these S60s with less than 5,000 miles on them. They are selling right now for less than $29,000. There are a limited number available, so don't wait on this one. Right now, Cherry Hill Volvo is undergoing a massive renovation to their dealership in order to serve you even better. They are open, they have ample inventory, and they are ready to meet you today. So why not start the year off with the luxury vehicle you deserve? A Volvo from Cherry Hill Volvo. It's a great time to visit with many incredible uh, incentives available for you. Again, just hurry to Cherry Hill Volvo to get a courtesy S60 for less than $29,000. Cherry Hill Volvo is the most accessible Volvo dealer to Philly and South Jersey right across the bridge. Judith, Yosef, and the entire team look forward to meeting you. Cherry Hill Volvo is where relationships matter. They prove that every single day. And we broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo studios. So what are you waiting for? Go see them today. You can drive this beautiful S60. The S-Class is made right here in the United States of America, as a matter of fact. Or maybe you want to drive an SUV. You know, I love having the third row of that XC90 when we're driving the kids around. I absolutely love that because there's so much room and so safe on the roads, especially in winter. Whatever you choose, Cherry Hill Volvo will give you the experience that you deserve. Cherry Hill Volvo is on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. It's where relationships matter. So go see them today. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Tear down this razor wire. My efforts to save people from ever getting scratched by razor wire will be coming to a town near you. So if you have seen any razor wire, I need you to email me at richiesrazorwire at gmail.com. I... 
am going to make sure it's taken down because it doesn't work. It's ineffective and it's mean. You can get scratches. And I'm also going to say that we should give out free Neosporin. And channel little Bernie Sanders there. Neosporin should be free. It's a God-given right. And that's how we're going to do things. All right? That's what we're going to do. Uh, we also have this terrorist guy. I got, I got this tweet today from uh, somebody. This is a guy who's threatening America. I sent this audio to you, Henry. He's threatening America. And I, 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 I guess, I don't know. I guess he's in the country illegally. The alleged terrorist here. This is him. This is um, saying, soon you'll know who I am. This is a guy in this video. He appears to be, his name is Maz Sum Somadov, a Muslim who was released in January 2023 after serving 12 years for being a terrorist. Will the Democrat voters ever wake up to the invasion at the southern border? This is what he was threatening here. And I guess, uh, you know, when you've got Democrat governors raising the alarm about the terror watch list now, kind of a big deal. That's from the far right wing New York Times. I'll get to that story in a moment. But here's the audio of this of this terrorist. Go ahead, take a listen. You would know who I am. But you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're gonna know who I am. Soon you're gonna know who I am. I always love threats like that. Uh the far right wing New York Times today writing this story. Nine Democrat governors pushed Biden and Congress to address the migrant crisis. Why do you think it's happening? Nine Democratic governors. The effort is being led by New York Governor Kathy Hochul, a Biden ally whose state has been inundated with arrivals from the southern border. Nine Democratic governors have joined together to urge the Biden administration to do what to deal with this humanitarian crisis. Let me translate this for you. What this means. What this means is that these Democrat governors now are sick and tired of having the people land at their doorstep. They never thought they'd have to worry about it before. They never thought they were border states. You even have King Philip the Unaccountable, Phil Murphy, out there trying to secretly load uh, illegal immigrants onto trains and buses to take them into New York at night. We told you about that story last week. So when you, you've got nine Democrat governors now coming out and saying, you got to do something here. All right. You gotta, now, they're all they're all, you know, crouching it along the ideas of also dealing with the immigration system because they don't want to sound mean. But what they're really saying here is, dude, you got to fix this border, this wide open border. This is a mess. You're killing us here. You're killing us. Do something about it. What does Biden do? Tells Texas to tear down their razor wire. Texas refuses and they're going to go in there and do it themselves. And what an absolute political disaster this is for the Democrats right now in election year. It's amazing. Chris is in Malvern. Chris, how are you? Uh, I just want to thank you for being the voice of reason and hope, because all day long after hearing that Supreme Court ruling, I was all bummed out. But then I realized, I thought to myself, after you kept kind of joking about all this razor wire, that when I was in the Army, when anybody was in the Army knows that when it comes to razor wire, it's very hard to set it up, but it's misery to take it down. It comes in these big loops, some of them as, as wide as hula hoops and some smaller. So you're right. It's like the stuff that's already been put up, who's going to get who's going to want the job to take it down? This is a great point. I wouldn't want that job. It sounds like no fun. It's misery. You got to wear these mittens and it gets tangled. And when I was in Germany, you know, it would get stuck on sticks and branches and things. And then, of course, during Desert Shield, 
you know, it was easier to just pull it out. But it, depending on what's, what I, the pictures I've seen, it, it's there. It's all tangled up. Who's going to take it down? Yeah, no, listen, I, 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 I did not consider that point, but I'm glad you pointed it out. And thank you for your service, Chris. I appreciate it, buddy. Okay. Have a great night. Thank you. Uh, Pam is in Lansdale. Pam, how are you? Hey, Red. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing. Uh, thank you so much for having your show. I listen to you every single night on my way home from work. Um, well, I was thank just you. thinking. Yeah. No. Uh, thank you for being on the air. I'm glad that you can still be on the air. How long is that going to last? Right. Um, <laughs> well, let's hope for a long time. I got three kids to feed. I got you. I got you. So. Um, with these taxes, uh, all of the citizens, um, you know, taxpayers paying, you know, working every day. And why, what's to stop everyone in April from filing, not, let's not file federal taxes in April in Texas and see what happens. Are they going to arrest every single working American taxpayer in Texas? Uh, is it even possible to get people on board for something like that? You know, that's yeah. my thought. Don't well, pay your taxes because you're being taxed. There's no representation now. Taxation without representation. Well, you know, the problem with that, though, is that the, they will <sighs> they will keep adding interest and penalties over and over again. And then eventually they're going to force you to pay and you're, you're going to owe them more money. So you're actually going to wind I don't up. No, this is. Yeah. I mean, it's unprecedented. What's going to happen? Has every has has millions of people ever not have I, I refused to pay taxes? Like, what would happen? I, it would be interesting to me to see, uh, regardless if eventually they have to pay the taxes. You know, well, I mean, the sixteenth down the, the line. I mean, the sixteenth amendment's pretty clear. You do so. I, I wouldn't advise <sighs> yeah, well, you to take this path because you're going to wind up owing them even more. They'll get more of your, of your money. You know. I just, yeah, what they don't have to arrest do? you. They could just put a lien against your house. That's what they typically do. And they they would probably do that. Yeah, they, they would. They want hundred percent. They would do that. Yeah, I, gonna, I they won't necessarily like, arrest you, but they will. They 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 have lots of different ways to make your life a living hell, Pam. I understand the spirit of what you're saying. I do, but I yeah. certainly would not want to give out bad advice on this program. So, no, no, the I house, understand. The house that, always no. wins. Let's just put it that way. The house <laughs> always wins. Of course, of course. But I just had a thought, and I was like, "Why? Don't pay taxes, you know? <laughs> pay your taxes." All right, Pam. Thank no, you. All right. All right, you have a great <laughs> night. I appreciate it. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. Now you got to pay your taxes because they will come after you with penalty and interest. Then they'll put liens on your home and liens on your business, and then they can go in and just take the money out of your bank account. It's brutal. Oh, it's brutal. Uh, anyway, um, so New Hampshire. That's the big story of the day today. Obviously, that we're looking at. And we're getting ready for that. And the polls will be closing in a few people. I think the people in, um, where the hell is it, Henry? Gobbler's Notch? What What is that town in New Hampshire where they all voted already? Not Gobbler's Notch. That's Puxatawney Phil, right? What, what am I thinking of? Puxatawney Phil's in Puxatawney. No, Gobbler's, Gobbler's Notch. I have no idea what you're talking about. Is it? Maybe Gobbler's Notch is, is where the the primary is. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. New, New Hampshire voters kick off first in the nation presidential primary. Uh, let's see here now. Let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm trying to find the name. I think it's called. I, you see, I can't find it. This is this is not good. I'm just trying to find. There's a town in New Hampshire where they. Dixville Notch. Thank you. Dixville Notch. You haven't heard of Dixville Notch? 
Never. It is a beautiful, beautiful town. I've never been there, but I imagine it's beautiful this time of year. Dixville Notch, all right, is a uh, is is in New Hampshire. They always they're the first town in New Hampshire to vote at midnight. This is what they do. It's their tradition. And Nikki Haley swept the town. All right. Hmm. She swept all the voters in the town. Do you want to guess how many people were in that town? Oh, okay. So this is one of those. Um, Dixville Notch. 48. Six. <gasps> but she swept. She swept. She the did six. It. Look, a sweep is a sweep, man. That's a huge swing. It's a big deal. She won 100% of Dixville Notch. All six registered voters. Uh, by the way, it's a resort town, and voters were outnumbered more than 10 to 1 by reporters from every corner of the globe. <laughs> How about that? Are you telling me there's like 60 reporters at this one tiny town in New Hampshire? Yeah, and I think, excellent job with the math, by the way, I think we should go and do the show live four years from now from Dixville Notch. The okay. first in the nation, first in the nation primary. Do a midnight broadcast? Do maybe? a midnight special coast-to-coast style live political broadcast from the first in the nation primary state, first in the nation town of Dixville Notch. I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that? Pretty good, right? I'm in. Sign me up. Sure. I'll go. I'll go to the resort town. I'll go to a resort town in New Hampshire. You absolutely can, can, um, can, can send me there. No problem. I'd love to go. What else was I going to mention, too? I also had, um, now I can't remember now. Now I can't remember what I was going to do. Oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. I wanted to share this with you as well. This is a clip of Rachel Maddow sounding crazy. Remember I said that they're all sounding crazy? This is Rachel Maddow sounding crazy on MSNBC last night. Um, Go ahead. Take a listen. On the Viktor Orban thing, uh, listen, I, I think that there's a very simple reason that Trump is making that the closing argument in what may be the last contested primary. And it's because that's really what he's offering. I mean, this is the special sauce. Donald Trump is not leading the Republican Party and leading the Republican field of candidates because of his youthful vigor <laughs> or because of his uh, you know, <laughs> policy preferences or because of his eloquence. Right. There's none, none of that is going on. What he's offering is what he both sort of inherently offers and now more and more explicitly offers, which is if you pick me, that'll be the end of politics. And you won't have to deal with politics anymore. You won't have to deal with contested elections. You won't have to deal with contests or divisions when it comes to power. You'll have a strongman leader and I'll just do what I want. And won't that be a lot simpler? Um, that's what he's offering. That, that strongman model is what the Republican base is enthused about. And that is something that sets him apart from every other Republican candidate. And I think that we're naive to think that he's tricking people into picking him and then mm. surprised he's going to act like a dictator. What he's offering is strongman leadership, the end of politics, the end of elections, the end or the or the sidelining or domesticating, as Ruth Ben-Ghiat says, of the judiciary uh, mm -hmm. and the Congress. It'll be, he'll be the man in charge and he'll get it done. And that's what he's selling. And that's what they are very eager to buy. That's crazy talk. It's going to be the last primary and he's going to be a dictator. He's not going to leave. Look, 
I've said this before. The first rule of being a dictator is you don't leave. That's the rule number one. All right. Dictators don't leave office. And if you want to remove a dictator, you have to do it by something big. Like you got to hang the guy like in the square or something like that. You got to go out and go big or go home. You know what I mean? But if you are a low energy dictator, then you leave office. You don't try to get back in office, though. You don't go, oh, damn, I could have been a dictator. Like you walk out of the White House and then stop yourself and turn around and go, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I'm president. I've got all the power. I'll just be a dictator. If you're a dictator, you think that way. If you're not a dictator, you get on the plane and you go back to Florida. See, this is the problem with this argument, and it's getting so tiring and annoying because, again, it, I would be a dict- I would be probably a dictator. I'm Italian. It's in my blood. What, what can I say? I mean, I'm a direct descendant of Julius Caesar. I probably would, would, would stay. But if I did, I'm not going to leave because once you leave, you're out. You have to stay. That's the whole point. Anybody can say they're a dictator, but you got to actually dictate. Otherwise, you're useless. Otherwise, your word is not very good. You know what I mean? So that's the thing. Once you leave the, uh, the, the White House, get on the plane and fly down to Florida, you're not, you're not a dictator. That's the problem with this talking point. It's a damn shame. I hope the new defensive coordinator for the Eagles is a dictator, though, because we need help. What do you mean by that? Or the offensive coordinator? Who's the one that got fired? Both of them got they fired. They both got fired. Yeah, Brian Johnson got fired today. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, that's the least surprising news of all time. You knew that was coming? Yes. I mean, the defensive coordinator, I mean, like like I said, he's just been showing up collecting a check the last couple months. Uh, Brian Johnson, there was like a, maybe a tiny sliver he came back, but no, it was expected he was gone. Really? They were you you saw that game. You saw how they played down the stretch. Everyone knew what plays they were running yeah. exactly when they were running. They couldn't get anything going. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. So now so that so you think that Sirianni's safe then or Sirianni got problems too? Uh there's supposed to be a press conference tomorrow, uh I think with Howie, Howie Roseman, uh discussing his future. I'd imagine he'll be staying, yeah. You think he's, he's staying, right? All right. Yeah, just a matter of uh, who's going to come and coach the offense and the defense. Hey, Sirianni outlasted DeSantis. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Nobody asked you. Shut up. Why are you? Yeah, Nobody interrupt, asked interrupting you, the show. Don't anyway. interrupt my show. Uh, a couple other things to mention. Senator Bob Menendez says the FBI raided his home in the Gold Bar search and ransacked it. Went through dressers and storage, but tore apart clothes and wardrobes. Welcome to the party, pal. We've been talking about this kind of abuse for years. Philadelphia has a bed bug problem. Did you know that, Henry? That Philadelphia, among all the cities in America, bed bugs apparently like it here best. I mean, who wouldn't? Why not? They are hotels, apparently, according to the story in the Inquirer. Philadelphia bed bugs are a huge, huge problem. So according to this story, Philly's bedbug problem was ranked as one of the worst in the country, according to an annual report from a pest control company by the name of Orkin. How about that? And that's big bug company there, too. That's Orkin. a big bug company, yeah. right. I don't know how you get rid of bed bugs, but I know how you get rid of razor wire cuts. Neosporin. Can't say it enough. Uh, Neosporin is a way to do that. I don't know if bed bug bites, if it works on that or not. I don't know. 
Bed bugs are oh gross. They are extremely resilient. They say they're very hard to get rid of. But who's staying in Philadelphia hotels lately anymore? Anyway, I mean, who's coming to the city? So I don't know if you have to worry about the bed bugs. Might be bored out of their mind at this point. You know, just sitting around playing cards, drinking beer. Yeah, I mean, like, can somebody get us a, a somebody to stay in this room? Because not a lot of people are coming to Philadelphia at the moment. All right, listen, in our fourth and final hour, uh, the multiverse, is it real? Yes, it is. And we're going to talk to a Philadelphia physicist who can prove it for us. He's got a brand new book out on this. Um, Plus, uh, why does Joe Biden want to destroy America even more by getting rid of liquid natural gas export stations? Something that the Philadelphia region would absolutely benefit from. And what's up with the FBI, this whole pipe bomb fugazi story outside the Democrat National Convention? Why is the government not being more transparent about this with us? It seems like kind of a big deal. We'll talk about all of that and more. Our fourth and final hour straight ahead on the eve of the New Hampshire primary. Don't go away. Rich Seoli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. All right, it is our fourth and final hour on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on the eve of the New Hampshire primary. Thank you for being part of the show today. We appreciate it. Uh, i got a really cool interview coming up. We're going to talk about the multiverse. Yes, the multiverse. Right. Why are we going to talk about the multiverse, you might ask? Because I am a nerd. No, I, I love all... I mean, I am. I love all the superhero movies, obviously. Uh, and everything has been about the multiverse. It really has. Been. Very cool. My son and I watched it together. You know, Patrick and I love those movies. It's a good father-son bonding thing. But whether it's Spider-Man in the multiverse or whether it's Batman in the multiverse, we got to see Michael Keaton come back. Whatever it is, it's uh, it's a fascinating, fascinating topic. Could there be other universes? Could we be alive in another universe? Could there be another version of us in the other universe? And we will have that conversation a little bit later. So I guess the question as uh, we look to how much Biden can destroy this country as much as possible, there's another thing that he might do, which is to ban liquid natural gas exports. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, how can you just completely destroy this, this country anymore? Liquid natural gas is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Clean burning, and it's very efficient. And if you are fortunate enough to have it to heat your home, you are very lucky versus having to use oil heat because it's usually cheaper. And also cooking wise, I mean, I refuse to cook without natural gas. My pizza oven, which just to give you the update <laughs> on that is um, finally in. I mentioned that to you, but I, with the gas line working on all that. But even my wood fired pizza oven, I made sure to get a, a, a burner for it so that I could heat it up with the liquid natural gas. I'm a big fan of natural gas. I love natural gas. But of course, the left hates it because it's not a renewable, which is a joke because we have no idea how much natural gas the world really has. It might be able to last us for uh, billions of years. We have we just don't know because we are not supposed to know. We're supposed to buy the narrative that these are non-renewable resources. And if, as long as you just buy that narrative, well, then that's the end of it. 
But if these things are non-renewable, if there if there is a finite amount of them, because they're supposed to be, you know, dinosaur bones or whatever the, the, the left says that they have to be, even though there's no proof of that. But why is it then countries like Dubai are investing so heavily in, in, in drilling for new oil? And because they know it's there. That's why. Why is it that Vladimir Putin's making so much money right now selling liquid natural gas and, and, and is doing more exploration? Because he knows it's there. That's why. The world is a vast, untapped resource. My daughter was amazed the other day to find out in school that two-thirds of the ocean is, I mean, two-thirds of the world is covered by water. Uh, we have no idea the energy resources, but it doesn't matter because the left, they, all they care about is solar and wind. And that's it. And you cannot have conversations with these people. Liquid, a liquid natural gas exporting facility outside of Philadelphia would be ridiculously great for jobs. We could create so many jobs. It would be fantastic for the region. We have the Marcellus Shale here. We could be tapping into that baby, and it would be great. But this is from the Wall Street Journal, and I didn't even realize this was coming, but here we go. Energy prices have retreated since Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, they write, but America's enemies haven't. So it's hard to believe the Biden administration is considering an election year gift to Russia and Iran, an embargo on permitting new liquefied natural gas export projects. Our sources say Biden advisor John Podesta is pushing the idea in the White House as a standard operating procedure to the climate lobby, which is still furious over the administration's approval of ConocoPhillips Willow Oil Project in Alaska. We can help Gulf Coast residents stop the onslaught of liquid natural gas export terminals. Chief climate lobbyist Bill McKibben tweeted last week. But what about stopping Russia's onslaught of Ukraine? We're told that this is priority number one for this administration. We cannot turn our backs on Ukraine, we're told over and over again. Whatever they need, give them the money. Whatever they need, give them the money. U.S. liquid natural gas exports have increased by about 31 billion cubic feet per month since January 2022, which has helped Europe wean itself off Russian energy and reduced global gas prices. If not for U.S. liquid natural gas, political support in Europe for Ukraine might have flagged as its citizens shivered. Now, first of all, I don't think there is political support here at home for Ukraine. And if there is political support in Europe, then why do we have to spend all this money? Why isn't Europe taking care of this? But that's for another show, obviously. The growth in liquid natural gas exports owes largely to projects approved by the Trump administration. Now, the good news is hopefully he'll be back in the White House soon. Oh, spoiler alert, he's going to win New Hampshire tonight. The Energy Department must approve liquid natural gas exports to countries that don't have free trade agreements with the United States. The Biden Department of Energy has approved five permits, all of which have been capacity extensions. The Trump administration approved 14 permits. The Trump administration approved permits in seven weeks on average, but the Biden team is taking 11 months to process them. This is how bureaucracy works. If they don't want something, they just veto it by dragging their bureaucratic feet. And it frustrates me that bureaucrats have this kind of power, but they do. They just stall on everything. You know, put it to you. It's like you're, you're trying to open a deli in town, but you and the mayor hate each other and you haven't got your CO. Ah, be a shame if you had to wait another couple weeks for the CO. It's 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 that on a on a, on a macro scale of bureaucratic incompetence and corruption. It's the same reason why the, the Biden administration is has been taken to court over their hold up on giving out oil leases. 
Permits for four liquid natural gas projects capable of satisfying the annual natural gas demand of India are awaiting approval. One has been sitting at the Department of Energy for more than a year. What does it take to approve this anyway? Hmm. What does it take? It does not take that long. But if they don't want it to happen, then they just kill it by waiting it out and then hoping that the company runs out of money or something like that. I'll give you a great analogy to this. So years ago, my, you know, my wife grew up in the Adirondacks in Tupper Lake, New York, and it's beautiful up there. It's about 45 minutes north of Lake Placid, uh, where we got married in 2008. So uh, Tupper Lake's gorgeous, but everybody goes to a lot of people go to Lake Placid. They have the skiing there it was the host of the Olympics, obviously, in 1980. Uh, ton to do. Tupper Lake wants to be wanted to be that region, too. So they have this mountain there they call Big Tupper, and they were going to go all in on revitalizing this mountain project. They got these investors involved. They were going to build houses and condos, and, and but it's in the Adirondack Park, which is a public-private land mass in the upstate portion of New York State. And there's the Adirondack Park Council. The Adirondack Park Council. Now, these people don't want anything to be built. They don't, they don't want people putting decks on their houses in the Adirondack Park. And you have all these towns that are part of the Adirondack Park. So everything has to get approved by this council. Well, sure enough, what they wound up doing was dragging their feet on the approval of the project that the, the guy who was basically bankrolling the whole thing wound up losing all his money. And there's a lot of people that got screwed over in the course of all this. But that's what they did. When when the LoveGov Cuomo finally came around and said, yeah, I think it'd be nice. We get a mountain project. Maybe there'll be some snow bunnies going down. I like snow bunnies. Cuddle by the nice fire of the lodge after with a lager or a pilsner. And then uh, slowly undress the snow bunnies to reveal that because they're going to be cold. I, you know, uh, When the love guy finally got around to basically signing off on it, by then the damage was done. It had taken so long to get the approval that the money was gone. And that's the problem with these bureaucratic people. They know how to kill things. They know how to drag their feet. And the left hates coal and liquid natural gas and the left hates oil. And we need all these things. We need all these things. Instead, what are they doing? They're having an emergency meeting tomorrow at the New Jersey Board of Public Utilities to approve more windmill projects. More ocean-destroying, whale and dolphin-killing windmill projects. That's tomorrow morning at the New Jersey Board of Public Utilities. By the way, this is the big story of the day today. It's brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. My buddy, go see Dr. Mike for a great smile, the smile you deserve, VenariaDental.com. So then even if these projects are approved, it will still take a few years before they're up and running. But the eventual increase in liquid natural gas exports would help displace coal power and Russian gas. Russian liquid natural gas exports, some of which are still going to Europe, hit a record in December. In fact, a new major Russian liquid natural gas export facility is scheduled to come online this year. Iran, the world's third largest natural gas producer, has revived construction on a liquid natural gas export facility that it aims to complete next year. The U.S. surpassed uh, Qatar last year as the world's top liquid natural gas exporter, but new projects could help Doha regain its lead. Let me also um, point out something about liquid natural gas, that the, another reason why the left hates it and why they hate fracking and why they hate everything. They are convinced, and remember, climate change is a religion. This is, not, this is, a, this is a means of destroying capitalism. I've told you this before. 
climate change, the true people that push climate change are either at the very, very top of the food chain, so they want to control everything to get even richer, or people that want to see the systemic destruction of capitalism. Because you can't you can't have capitalism without oil to run the place and gas and coal to run the place. And these very same people don't want developing nations around the world to be able to come online with us. So that's why they don't want them to have any liquid natural gas or coal or oil either. So, you know, you talk about the hubris, the arrogance of the first world, as it's called, you know, first world problems, where we lecture to the, the, the developing world, the third world, and tell them, sorry, folks, but that nice, cushy, modern lifestyle that we're all enjoying here at Davos, you can't have because climate change. The other thing, too, is if Russia is really going to defeat Ukraine and then storm into Poland and then take over Europe, why, if Europe is so worried about that, why are they buying Putin's natural gas? I've said this before, but, you know, France is acutely aware of the fact that the Nazis took over their country because the French surrendered in about eight seconds. The hardest thing France had to do at the time was just put their hands up and drop their rifles and make sure they didn't shoot themselves in the foot when they surrendered to the Nazis. So they know, I mean, if that's what we're told, Putin is the next Hitler and he's going to roll into Europe and he's going to just take over, why do they keep enriching the guy? Oh, maybe it's because they're not that worried about it. And also because they need the liquid natural gas. But I think it's because they don't really, they're not that worried about it. They know it's all BS. They know that that whole warning that, you know, next, that next it's Poland is all BS. Because obviously there's NATO and NATO treaties and that would involve the United States of America. And that's why Joe Biden threatens your children and says your children are going to be fighting a war against Russia if you don't give us all the money we need for Ukraine. If new U.S. liquid natural gas projects are blocked, Europe and Asia will have to import gas from elsewhere to meet their growing demand. Most won't come from America's friends. Yet the climate lobby says new liquid natural gas projects will lock in higher CO2 emissions for decades. They're apparently less worried by the 305 coal-fired power plants that China has announced that they have in the works. Well, no, we can't tell China what to do, obviously. I mean, come on, please, please. All these corporations that do business with China and own all these corporate media entities, they'll never talk about that. Oh, please. You, You can't have Comcast, Xfinity, or Paramount, or any of the other Disney, ABC, Disney, China have any of their news people talk about China's coal plants because that would mean that would hurt their streaming business. There's a lot of screens over there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's why they kowtow to China. It's why they don't talk about their human rights abuses or their coal or anything else. It's why they also covered for China with the COVID lab leak theory, which is not a theory. It's a fact. China's CO2 emissions increased last year by twice as much as United States emissions declined. Let me say that again. China's CO2 emissions increased last year by twice as much as U.S. emissions declined. Blocking new liquid natural gas export projects won't reduce global emissions, but it would be a gift to America's adversaries and show Europe that the U.S. is not a reliable ally. Quote from Eurogas president Didier Hallou, who said in a statement, in Europe, many projects for new liquid natural gas import terminals are based on the assumption of stable long-term supply relationships with the United States. If additional U.S. liquid natural gas export capacities would not materialize, it would risk increasing and prolonging the global supply imbalance and make prices volatile. But again, if you are Joe Biden and the Democrats and the left, you, you, you want to destroy this country, so that's what you do. 
This is what you do. And you kill things. And also, if you're if you're wussy Republicans like uh, is that that guy, the governor of Maryland there, Larry, Larry Hogan, who was the you know, he's the no labels guy, the big Nikki Haley buddy. Oh, did you see, uh, I mentioned this earlier in the show, but it's worth repeating that, you know, the Nikki and thanks to Dom Giordano for telling me this, that I got it to work today because the uh, Haley campaign put out a three page memorandum letting everybody know that after she gets crushed tonight in New Hampshire, she's still staying in because the other primaries are open primaries, which is, of course, admitting to everybody what we've all known, which is that she's only staying in this because the, the Democrat establishment can help her get the nomination. Try, thinks they can. Thinks they can help her get the nomination. Thinks. Thinks. So, uh, and, the other, and the other point, too, that I mentioned earlier in the show today, the FBI said there were pipe bombs on January 6th, but evidence points to a cover-up. Congressman Tom Massey said, if there were indeed two operable pipe bombs, that would be the biggest threat that existed on January 6th. But the problem is... It's a Fugazi. We knew it was a Fugazi back then. Democrats have strained to make the case that January 6, 2021, the high holy day of the left, was a violent insurrection, even resorting to false claims such as that police officers were murdered to make their case. But they have gone out of their way to avoid the one incident that would seemingly best make their case, the two purported pipe bombs outside the Democratic National Committee and Republican National Committee. Now a Republican lawmaker who poured over thousands of hours of video footage and other evidence from J6 alleges that the bombs may have been planted with the involvement of law enforcement. He believes Democrats have backed off from the incidents for fear that the truth would be discovered. Representative Tom Massey of Kentucky said, quote, this is an ongoing cover up at this point. If there were indeed two operable pipe bombs, that would be the biggest threat that existed on January 6th. It doesn't make any sense why they wouldn't be promoting that threat to advance that narrative unless they had something to do with the pipe bombs and they're trying to memory hole the whole thing to avoid embarrassment. Video identified by Massey shows officers reacting nonchalantly after they were notified of the pipe bomb, milling slowly around the area and even letting children walk in front of it afterward. The soon-to-be vice president, Kamala Harris, was in the building at the time, a fact that the Department of Justice made misstatements about for months. The video raises questions, of course, about how a Secret Service sweep before she entered did not detect a pipe bomb in plain sight some 30 feet from them. Massey said it would be the worst scandal of January 6th, that's for sure. A pipe bomb is made to maim and kill, and the people who were protesting that day did not have weapons meant to maim and kill. So you would think they would be very focused on these pipe bombs, but they aren't. The Democrat-run January 6th committee chaired by Representative Benny Thompson did not mention the pipe bombs, by far the most sensational aspect of the day, at all in the body of its nearly 900-page final report on the day, except for a brief mention in an appendix. Back in 2022, Kamala Harris called J6 the deadly assault, like it is September 11th in Pearl Harbor, but went out of her way not to mention being the target of an apparent bomb, instead saying that she was safe from the Capitol because I had left. Security cameras also captured a person apparently planting the bomb on the night of January 5th, but former top FBI Washington official Stephen D'Antuano testified that he was flabbergasted to find that video footage turned over by the DNC was of far lower quality than would be expected of modern cameras. The pipe bomb planter can be seen appearing to use a cell phone, but data from a cell phone company was corrupted and the FBI wasn't able to find any records for the suspect. Every modern data system keeps backups. I don't believe it could be corrupted without the ability to recover it, said Congressman Massey. And the FBI also said the bombs were viable, but they were connected to a 60-minute kitchen timer, making it impossible to trigger an explosion the next day. Massey, who happens to be an engineer, 
said that a kitchen timer doesn't create an electrical impulse. You would need a battery to ignite it. The FBI told them details that made the bomb sound scary, such as its length and the fact that it had a timer, but said it was not authorized to tell him whether it had a battery. Now, D'Antonio said, told ABC they would have exploded, but acknowledged under oath that a 60-minute timer could not set off a device more than 17 hours later. So Massey said, we need to talk about the person who allegedly found the bomb. I got a lot of questions for them. For instance, how hard did you look for the third bomb? Like, unless you know there are only two bombs, why would you quit looking after you found two? Why wouldn't you go into overdrive with a bunch of dogs and start trying to find bombs everywhere? And that doesn't seem to have happened. It's almost as if, okay, well, the first bomb has been discovered. Let's go get the other one, and then we'll be done with this part of the exercise. Revolver News was the first to report on the video and has raised a slew of questions about law enforcement's handling of a would-be terrorist attack. Last year, reported that the FBI released footage from a camera pointing directly at the DNC bench during a different time period and that the same camera, therefore, should have captured a clearer shot of the, suspe- of the suspect placing the bomb. We believe there are probably alternate videos of the January 5th suspect that have not been released to us. Well, we know the committee also covered up information and we know that the committee, the J6 committee, um, deleted things prior to the Republicans taking over. They're hiding things. We know all these things, and we know they're doing all this. It's a, it's a huge cover-up. Meanwhile, if you go to Cabela's and you buy a, a, a hat, you know what I mean? You buy a hat at Cabela's. If you do that, just know you're probably a terrorist and you're on the terror, terror watch list. You might be a terrorist. All right, um, quick break, and uh, coming up, we're going to talk about the multiverse. Is it real? You bet. Got a great interview coming up with you. Don't go away. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, you know, I'm obsessed with the idea of the multiverse, probably because I watch so many superhero movies, and uh, that's about as far as my knowledge goes, because I'm not exactly the great scientist. But luckily, as we continue here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, there is a local guy from the Northeast who's just about, you can say, a qualified genius on the matter. He's Dr. Paul Happern, professor of physics at St. Joseph's University and author of 18 popular science books. His newest book, The Allure of the Multiverse, Extra dimensions other worlds and parallel universes dr paul halpern thank you for joining me in your hometown thank you for having me on yes i'm a, I'm a philly boy through and through and also interested in things well beyond philadelphia such as the multiverse yeah well you know it's it's gotten a lot of popularity over the years i have a nine-year-old son so we watch all the marvel movies and all the all the dc movies and you know obviously this this concept of the multiverse is caught on with popularity in in popular culture because of the fact that hey you know right now we, we we all might be living in a different dimension our same selves but different versions of ourselves and so it, it raises a lot of questions and i mean that's going to make you happy at least right at least people are talking about the multiverse whether they're getting it right at all in these movies or not i mean they're still talking about it well there are different ideas of the multiverse in cultural and science so scientists have one idea about parallel universes and there's another idea in books and movies and uh tv series and that's because we all have an interest in knowing about the question what if what if different things happen to us in our lives what if we took on a different job? What if we met a different partner in our life, went to a different city? And this is something we never know. We don't know what would have happened if we made different choices in our lives. But in films and books, there's a large interest in depicting what these alternative branches of time would seem like. 
So let's start with what what do we mean when we say the multiverse? Well, it used to be thought that the universe is everything because universe, you know, comes from the roots of it come from one uh, thing. So it, it comes from the idea of a single entity. But um, years ago, we thought that our galaxy, the Milky Way, was the only thing in the universe. And now we know that there are hundreds of billions of galaxies in our universe. So the question is, why look beyond that? Why look beyond the universe? And that's because we could only observe uh, out to a certain distance in our universe because of the speed of light. That's the top speed that any signal can travel. So there's a lot beyond uh, our universe that we can't observe. And that's led to theories that maybe there are other universes out there with different properties, different characteristics, and that our universe is special because it's, it's uh, suitable for planets, it's suitable for stars and light, but perhaps there, there have been other universes that have formed that never quite evolved life, never quite evolved planets, and this is an interesting question for science. And, and is it possible that there's a another universe where uh, I'm doing something completely different with my life, or am I being just way too self-absorbed to, th- to think about it in that concept? <laughs> well, the scientist's view of the multiverse looks at parallel universes that are very, very different from our own, so they wouldn't have supported stars and planets in life. But it's possible if if the universe, the actual universe is large enough that there might be worlds out there that just through sheer chance resemble Earth. And it's possible that there might be, a given a large enough uh, universe, uh, versions of us out there in, um, in space um, that, are, um, that are doing similar things. This is something I mentioned in my book because um, there was a French revolutionary in the 19th century named uh, Blanqui, and he was in prison uh, because he kept trying to cause rebellions and he kept getting captured and being put in prison. And one time when he was in an island fortress, he started imagining what would have happened if the same revolutions that were taking place in France at the time took place on another planet. And he dreamed about the possibility of other planets in space that have uh, histories very similar to that of Earth. And and the, and the notion I, I remember reading um, uh, Michael Crichton's book Timeline years ago, and and the idea that there there could be a multiverse that exists right here in in on Earth right now um, is that is that something that science is exploring? Well, science is looking at the question of quantum mechanics and quantum measurement. Now, quantum mechanics is the science of looking at very very tiny things like smaller than atoms, subatomic particles. And it turns out that they have very, very different behavior than large things. And um, they, uh, they have a lot of information that we can't really access. So when we take a measurement of quantum things, like let's say we're trying to measure um, what happens to an atom, like if it's decaying or not decaying, um, we could only uh, access some of the information, and some of it is hidden. And in the standard model of quantum mechanics, the person who's doing the experiment kind of decides how um, the measurement will turn out and gives you one answer depending upon what they do. But back in the 1950s, 
there was a young researcher, Hugh Everett, who was really brilliant. And he uh, went to a talk by Einstein, and Einstein said, hey, wait a minute. Why do human beings have to have a special property? Why do they have to take the measurements? Uh, why not like a mouse? Could, a, could a, you know, an animal like a mouse uh, take a measurement and cause the, these quantum properties? And um, whoever was inspired by Einstein's talk and came up with this idea that instead of uh, when you take a measurement, you're narrowing down the properties, uh, that these properties stay intact, but somehow human consciousness splits up during the process of measurement, and you have all these parallel universes as a result of, of the measurement, and you have multiple versions of yourself, each with a different value of the measurement. And then, so then, theoretically, I guess you could say that even when we die, I mean, leaving, you know, religion out of it for a moment, even when we die, consciousness could then theoretically continue, our consciousness could. Well, some have proposed uh, this idea, which is very hypothetical, quantum immortality, which is says that in any quantum event, there's uh, multiple options, multiple possibilities, and conceivably, um, in, in one, someone would die, and, and the other option, someone would live, depending on some kind of event. It's a little bit far-fetched, because it's hard to imagine something that happens in a subatomic level uh, leading to life versus death. But if that were the case, let's say just one uh, amount, of amount of radiation or a dose of radiation somehow triggered death, but the lack of the dose of radiation lets someone be alive, then in one parallel universe they might be deceased, and the other parallel universe they would survive. So it raises some interesting questions if you look at kind of the extreme examples about life and death. It's fascinating. The book is The Allure of the Multiverse. Dr. Paul Halpern is my guest. He's a Philly guy. I don't know if I can get an invitation to this party, but it sounds really fun. In your book, you have a chapter called The Time Traveler's Party. Uh, I'd love to go. I mean, that sounds great. We all dream about time <laughs> travel. I mean, I grew up watching Back to the Future. You know, this is my this is my jam here. I love the idea that I can just get back in the DeLorean and I can, I can make it all right. You know, but obviously the, that opens up so many questions. You know, if you go back and you kill baby Hitler, what happens and so how does time travel and the concept of that fit in with all this well in, in fiction um, there's a big question about what would happen if you travel back in time and physics we, we really don't know if it's possible or not to go backward in time we know it's possible to speed up to slow down your clocks and go into the future that way by traveling close to the speed of light you can slow down your personal clock and live longer and possibly witness the future. But backward time travel is an open question in physics. And in literature, we look at the idea of going back in time and trying to, to, to prevent a historical event. Like, let's say you try to stop uh, John Wilkes Booth from assassinating Lincoln, and you're, you're there, and the question is, what would happen? Would, would the fabric of time try to somehow stop you from doing this? Because is it, is it true that Lincoln's assassination was inevitable, or would you open up a new branch of history in which Lincoln wasn't assassinated, and maybe the you know the uh, aftermath of the Civil War would have turned out very differently. Maybe the U.S. would be a very different country right now if Lincoln had survived, and you know 
fulfilled his second term. So there are a lot of interesting questions about time travel and the idea of branching universes. And of course, in Back to the Future, Marty McFly goes back in time to the 1950s, and he changes the way his parents meet each other. And as a result, his parents are far, far cooler when he goes back to the 1980s than they were when he, he grew up. So it's, it's every teenager's dream to go back in time and make their parents a lot cooler. Yeah, no doubt about it. Although, you know, kissing your mom at the prom is just weird. But uh, let, let, me, <laughs> let, let me ask you this, because, you know, since you brought up uh, that idea of, of time travel, what, what about the notion of, and again, let me be a, an absolute dork here and bring up an, another superhero movie, Avengers Endgame, where they basically use the Infinity Stones to create a new timeline, but then they go back and they uh, essentially now erase that entire timeline to return everything back to the way it was. Yeah, so uh, there's there's ideas in fiction about um, battling over over these timelines, battling over changing history. Um, the TV series Loki is a wonderful series about uh, the time variance authority and trying to monitor what happens in history, and you know, and then you know, things can get um, cast into turmoil if somebody goes back and does some sinister things that trying to change history in, in a, a fundamental way. So these are things that are fascinating. Back to the Time Travelers Party, that's an interesting question because Stephen Hawking, the great physicist, um, thought that time, backward time travel was impossible. So he decided to put it to a test in a humorous way, and he sent out invitations for a party for time travelers from the future to attend. And he said, anyone from the future, come back to Cambridge and attend my party, and nobody attended. And he said, you see, there aren't any time travelers from the future. They would have wanted to come back in time and attend my party. So that was rather amusing. Well, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's possible they just didn't want to hang out with them, though. Yeah, sure. They might have thought, uh, <laughs> so, okay, no, we, we, have better, we have better things to do. Maybe there are fun discos in the future or something they wanted to hang out in instead. Um, as we think about the multiverse, Dr. Paul Happern, there was a there was an article recently that I saw that was in, um, I believe if I, it was in Business Insider, and it said something to the effect of a couple of years ago, you know, if parallel universes exist, could we actually find the evidence? So I think, you know, as, as we think about this, and your book does an excellent job of, of laying out all these hypotheticals and scenarios, and you know, what, what would we need in terms of technology? What would we need to be able to ever actually, because we, as, as humans, we, we like to be able to prove things. We like to see things. You, you point that out in your book. You know, we like to see things. Seeing is believing. What would it take for us? What kind of quantum computer or quantum telescope or whatever would we really need to be able to see a parallel universe or to see the the multiverse? Well, there's one theory of bubble universes, which one is one of the type of multiverse theories that at the beginning of time, at the Big Bang, instead of one universe being produced, ours, all these bubble universes were produced, and that there's all these bubbles out there, and scientists are looking carefully for scars of collisions in the early universe between our universe and other bubble universes. So we can't really travel to the other universes today um, in this theory, but it might be the case that in the past, when our universe was very small, they might have had a lot of neighboring universes, and they might have bumped into each other, and then they would have caused some 
energy increase in our universe, some temperature increase, and that maybe in the sky we could detect this in uh, the radio waves in the, in the sky. Radio radiation uh, is um, being mapped out by physicists um, to look for uh, what things were like right after the Big Bang. And we're already doing this, mapping out um, the sky map of, of radio signals. And a team of physicists have been looking for uh, evidence of rings that are scars from collisions between our universe and other bubble universes. It's so always, the question is still open. Yeah, it's always awkward when you bump into another universe and you weren't expecting to see them. And, you know, that's always a little bit awkward. Uh, the book is The Allure of the Multiverse, Extra Dimensions, Other Worlds, and Parallel Universes. Dr. Paul Halpern is my guest, a Philly guy. And obviously this raises so many philosophical questions and spiritual questions and, and religious questions. And uh, St. Thomas Aquinas comes to mind, you know, about proving the existence of God by, you know, something has to start all this. And uh, it, it really is just so fascinating. Last question for you, and, and, and I I really appreciate you making the time today to come on the show. When when we think about the the notion of of our own of our own future in terms of you, you know t- today is a new day for me it's a new start and you know I I it could all end today it could it could go on tomorrow I mean the one thing that seems constant here is that life the universe does not cease to exist. And yet I've heard other theories that say the universe is contracting. I don't know what it's contracting or expanding. You know, it's expanding into what? Maybe another universe. Is there ever a scenario in science where all this kind of eventually just compresses into itself in some way and just goes away? Well, there are different theories about the expansion of the universe. And um, we know that the universe is expanding because all the other galaxies uh, except for the close ones, are moving away from ours. So either our galaxy did something wrong and they're all shunning it, or the universe <laughs> is expanding. And uh, we're not the pariah galaxy. It's more like a bubble being blown up. But there used to be more physicists saying, well, this could start, the bubble could burst and we could start compressing again, contracting. But now the current theory is that this bubble is going to keep expanding forever and not only expand forever but get faster and faster as it expands and it might even uh there's a theory called the big rip that everything might rip apart someday so that's that's a little bit scary and then that's always what happens in, in all these multiverse universes where you, you keep messing it up enough and it just kind of tears apart. I will say this, though, the, the, the best part about all of this uh, rediscovery of the multiverse and in pop culture is we got to see Michael Keaton as Batman again, which I don't think any of us ever expected. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's amazing. Uh, with the multiverse films, you can, you can reuse actors. If, uh, it's, it's good for the Hollywood uh, producers because if an actor just says, okay, you know, sorry, I need to be paid more, you just find somebody and you say, well, they're the person from the version of Batman from a parallel universe, <laughs> the version of Spider-Man from a parallel universe. So it, it gives more flexibility in hiring actors, um, and for better or worse. But, um, yeah, I'm very excited about this. And, and I learned everything from uh, growing up in Northeast Philly. I went to George Washington High School. I used to go to the Franklin Institute learn about science there. So um, it shows uh, someone can grow up in the public school system in Philadelphia, go to the museums and and end up writing books and, and learning about the multiverse. Well, congratulations on writing it. And where can we find the book, Dr. Halpern? 
Uh, it's available. The Allure of the Multiverse is available online. It's available at bookstores everywhere. Uh, you know, independent bookstores, chain bookstores, anywhere online, anywhere you think of to buy a book, it should be available. But is it available in another universe? <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> if it is, it's That's a bestseller, a no, no doubt about it. Uh, this was great. I, thank you for your time. The Allure of the Multiverse, Extra Dimensions, Other Worlds, and Parallel Universes by Philly's own Dr. Paul Halperin. Have a great day. Thanks, my friend. Thank you. And we'll be right back. I didn't want to make any Epstein jokes, by the way, about Stephen Hawking, because I, I didn't, that was, that would have just been completely inappropriate. So if, if you were wondering, did I exercise some restraint there in this universe? I sure did. <laughs> I didn't want to make any jokes that maybe the time travelers all went to Epstein's Island. Uh, but anyway, we got a lot more to chat about here on the uh, show as we continue to look at the New Hampshire primary, which at some point I'm sure we're going to get the results in, but we can all pretend like it's dramatic. You know, it's not. Not. Nevertheless, we'll continue here on our fourth and final hour on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We're coming right back. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. All right, I went way long with those segments, so let me just wrap this up by saying uh, we shall see how big Trump's lead will be tonight in New Hampshire. Uh, it's going to be a big one, and we'll also see if Nikki Haley, in fact, uh, will stay in this race. I told you my philosophy is she will because I believe that Nikki Haley is being backed by the establishment, and the establishment will keep her in the race as long as possible because the establishment knows damn well that no matter what happens— Nikki Haley has to go all the way. Have a great rest of your night tonight. Enjoy it. The great one, Mark Levin, is up next. Keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you for listening. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.